Union of the Unwanted back Monday, May 9th, 2022. Ricky, take it away. What's up, everybody? Another Union of the Unwanted. People are going to be jumping in and out throughout the show. So hopefully you watch the video on Rockfin exclusively so people can... Sean's actually jumping in right now. But go to the unionofthewanted.com where you can check out all the spots you can find the audio, video, all the social media platforms we're on. You can get merch and all that stuff. But we are live on Rockfin exclusively on Mondays. And then the audio and video is uh, available within probably 24, 48 hours afterwards. And uh, my good friend Sean Stone joins us today. We got Convo Couch. We got uh, Mark Malone, Generation Z. We got a, a bunch of people uh, joining us today. But I thought, why not start with Sean? Because he's one of the, uh, I think, first timer on the show so and he has also a new docu-series that is out and i believe i just saw it on iconic right it's also available on iconic and your website but i think your docu-series can kind of spark the conversation that will lead us to many other directions because it it hits on so many different topics but uh sean thank you for being with us and uh you know i guess start anywhere you would like uh sure yeah thanks for having me join the uh, the unwanted uh Good to see everybody everybody here. Looking forward to the conversation. And uh, yeah, as you mentioned, the docuseries, I guess it's, you know, it's about six months old now, but it's been getting good, you know, we, we say growing awareness. I know we've been watched our, in over like 90 countries around the world um, called Best Kept Secret. And basically, uh, what is the best kept secret? This to me was the question that I, that I had when the pandemic started, right. In like March of 2020 and they started locking things down or the pandemic started. And um, I was like, well, everything's, everything's going to be, you know, in lockdown for some time now, what can I focus on? I really wanted to, to go back to buzzsaw, which was the show that I did for a few years with the lip and then for Gaia. Um, and, and basically say like, okay, all these conversations that I was having was fundamentally around this question of how humanity is enslaved. And people don't want to hear this. Like people really just believe that we, you know, oh yeah, you know, there was slavery and it was done by, you know, maybe against, you know, people of African diaspora and Americas or, you know, in the ancient times it was done against others. But like, but it's like, they don't want to fathom how it all is basically it's whether it's dead slavery, whether it's mind control, whether it's the actual human slavery and human trafficking that goes on in this world to the present day and arguably more humans now currently in, in human traffic that are being trafficked and enslaved than ever in history um, at any one point, I should say. Uh, and overall, like we basically have a planet that is still under the mindset of slavery. People are literally, you know, they don't, they see, they think they're free. And so as is often said, like the people that are the easiest to imprison are the people that believe that they're free. So I wanted to basically create a, a, a series in, this is a six part series that gives you people a red pill experience. I would say, based as much as possible on factual cases, starting with like the Franklin scandal to give people a glimpse into the beast system, right? Compromising uh, politicians and businessmen uh, using, you know, not just they themselves having, you know, pedophilic inclinations, but basically them being compromised and then being protected by a system, whether it's the Justice Department, whether it's, uh, you know, the various uh, intelligence agencies, whatnot, ultimately a system that works to protect this uh this satanic behavior it's not just pedophilia oftentimes it does involve ritual satanism and so we go into these stories uh mk ultra and obviously the lineage of it and the legacy of it with people like kathy o'brien and others uh so we talk about all these different 
examples, basically, again, in the six part series of how humanity is still essentially enslaved. And I, you know, we get to this argument of what is the spiritual war that's been ongoing. And it's like, I think it's becoming more and more clear to people as we look around at the news and the things that are coming out into the, into the public eye, it's like the manifestation of that, which is spiritual is coming into the physical domain. Yeah. So that's, that, that, that's my quick pitch. <laughs> Take it where you are. <laughs> Charlie, Mike, any, any, well, I, I got a chance to see Sean's presentation in Mexico a couple years ago when he talked about the new world order and the ties to the British monarchy, the empire and all of that. It's fascinating work. Of course, the book as well that you put out and, and we've, you and I've talked about this a couple of times, but I think it's fascinating. I think you're you're the right guy to to uncover that because your books, obviously, the work in the past. I love Buzzsaw. I'm I'm glad you you know bring it back, bring back watching the Hawks. Let's do it all, man. I mean, you can't, I guess, because RT's gone. But um, I just do my own stuff still. I do, I still do interviews like on Patreon. I do like you know I have like just Laura Logan's interview. You know, uh, Karen Kingston, uh, Vivian Kubrick. Uh, we've had like a lot of really cool interviews so far. Yeah, well, I I'm excited to to see the series because I'm sure that you've um, if it's anything like the book then or or anything along those lines, it'll be really enlightening to a lot of people that have no idea that this is how the system actually works. I mean, they maybe are delusional and they think, well, we vote these people in, and then they, you know, and you're like, no, 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 <laughs> that's 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 what you're told. That's how you're told it works. But then here's the reality of it. So I'm excited to see it. I think it'd be great. Yeah. And I mean, we don't even get to like the deeper layers of how the deep state operates. I mean, that's a whole conversation itself, you know, whether it's, um, you know, how you say it, like whether it's the, the infiltration of the bureaucracy. We talk about it a bit in the book, New World Order, you know, how essentially uh, the, the book New World Order is about Kissinger's mentor, William Mandel Elliott, who was a professor at Harvard for like 40 years. He's got an office at the CIA. He's, t- he's, he's connected to the Rockefeller, you know, foundation and brothers and all that. So you understand a little bit like through someone like that is just sort of a glimpse into the interconnections of these people of these, you know, essentially these elite that are involved in, uh, you know, grooming the educate, you know, the educational process of kids and, and university levels. And then obviously you have the financial components of, you know, whether you follow the Rockefeller foundation or Ford foundation or, Carnegie and all these different, you know, suppliers, the Gates Foundation now, like how much they, they influence um, various institutions, right? Whether it's at the NGO level or the actual institutional, you know, whether it's supposed to be like, you know, at the UN or the WHO or the, the various universities. I mean, all this, it's like all the money, right? And, um, and again, people, I feel like they're either in the matrix, so they don't want to look at it like, eh, I'm in the matrix, I don't want to be bothered, or they can't fathom it. But again, I give people credit. I think a lot of people are waking up and, and, and starting to catch on to the corruption. They've been seeing it, especially the last couple of years, like people are saying it, things don't add up anymore. So if, unless they're really staked in it, I think a lot of people are, are willing to actually like to look at things a little bit uh, differently. Well, do you do you have an elevator pitch for people that are in the matrix and you kind of get a feel that they want out? Do you have like a 30 second elevator pitch to kind of get them started? My 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 whole thing is, listen, who are you? Because, you know, like what the the latest thing I'm offering is a workshop, the art of success. It's like, who are you as a soul? Because we have been sitting, we've been trained, we've been indoctrinated to basically uh, sacrifice our, our innate creativity, our innate 
uh, curiosity, right? The, that like childish instinct, even our, our sense of fairness when we're kids, like we actually have a sense of fairness. It's oftentimes weeded out of us or beaten out of us or, oh, life's tough. It's not fair, you know, get over it, right? A lot of things are, are done to traumatize children. So it's like, how do you, how do you basically deprogram someone who's not willing to look? I think the first point is, is someone curious? Because if they're curious, at least you can start having a conversation. You can actually have a, a, a you know, some level of debate. If someone's not curious, if someone's shut off, you know, it's, it's, they're disassociated probably they're, you know, they're, they're just going back to like whatever they were told on, you know, CNN that morning, or they, they read in the last, last book that they read. I mean, they, they, they can't actually see what you're talking about. So it's really difficult to, I would say, to wake anyone up. They have to at least be, have some level of curiosity or an inclination to like be open to a conversation before even going there. I think I think most people they have at least one topic that could bridge the gap between uh, the the matrix and then the world where we kind of dance around in. And I think for for me that that uh, that topic is typically UFOs because at least on CNN they will acknowledge now that UFOs are at least a thing that the the government is recognizing as a phenomenon. Have you? Have you touched yeah. on any of that stuff or you have used that topic to bridge the gap? Oh, man. I mean, that's a major aspect of what got me into this this world. Um, the supernatural and paranormal phenomenon that I that I encountered uh, when I was making my first film, Greystone Park, that basically led me to doing conspiracy theory with Jesse and, and, and his crew. I mean, a lot of those stories were, you know, the more like fantastical things, you know, the reptilians, the time travel, um, the, uh, yeah, I mean, all you know, the, the the things that kind of are interesting to people because you can't start off with reptiles right away with people, you know. <laughs> you you got to ease well, into that. Well, in the docu series, you'll see in the best kept secret docu series, we get to that layer because it's like there. You know, it's what's interesting to me is that people will be like, they'll be Christians and they'll be like, oh, reptilians, that's crazy. I'm like. But isn't the de- like isn't the devil in the Bible a serpent or a reptile? Like in, in a lot of iconography, there's is a like pig-headed demon. Huh? What's there's that? There's a pig-headed demon mm-hmm. in the Bible. But I mean, well, like, I mean, there's there, exactly but there's different renditions of the demons, but there are definitely reptilian or dragon demons. And so I'm sitting here going, why is a Christian? Are you so opposed to the idea of reptilians? Like it's just like it's funny how people get into like their their dogma, right? So it's like I'm willing to believe in UFOs, but reptilians, no, you know, where it's like, you know, it's like this, you know, I can believe in like wormholes and time travel, but like not that. And it's very funny how people get peculiar when it comes to their their particular theory that they like, right? And then and then the things that they're like they rule out just out of hands is too far fetched. It's just it's always interesting, right? I, I happen jump- to think that there's a reptilian upper class right now that's giving us a test and they're judging us on how stupid we are. And I think they're at the point they just might eliminate us that we're so dumb here on planet Earth. That's my personal beliefs right now. So. There's an aspect of that that's true. Can I jump in? <laughs> uh, Sean, he was does, joking. Does, does any of your work, uh, Mr. Stone, have anything, uh, any correlation? Oh, no, wait, Sean, to, please. Please sure, please. Sean. Uh, any correlation to John D. and Queen Elizabeth I? Sure. I mean, with that Anglo-Saxon influence with the occult angle and all of this. So I'll get, so I'll give you a little, little anecdote for me. Like this interesting when I, uh, cause I know about D a lot, you know, for years uh, having understood that he was interested in Nakian, so-called Nakian magic. Right. And he was doing this, like he, he was channeling, uh, you know, this so-called Nakian angelic, but we don't know ultimately what these entities were. And he's obviously, he's like 007. He was the original 
007. He was basically the chief intelligence officer. He's an astrologer, very brilliant man. He had a huge library that actually I, I think was stolen. Um, or there was like a huge theft of his library because he had this major occult library and a lot of it went missing, right? So a uh, fascinating character. And he connects to Crowley because Alistair Crowley believes that he was the uh, incar- reincarnation of, of uh, Kelly, I think was his name, was Dee's um, partner in a lot of this this work. So I actually was like, it's just really weird. When I say I, was in- I got into the paranormal supernatural firsthand, I was really exploring this stuff. Uh, in 2009, 10, 11, 12 time period, uh, ghost hunting, going to a lot of haunted places. And I, one day I had the Anakian, ma- one of these Anakian magic like workbooks at home. And, uh, not like the original from like, you know, from the 1600s, but you know, like a, a modern day. And I pulled off the shelf and I just started doing some incantations reading. I was curious. Within an hour, I got a phone call from an unknown number and this demonic voice. <laughs> starts talking to me and it was like warped and warbled and it was really difficult to understand but it was just fascinating because either either that's an intelligence operation monitoring me in my bedroom because no one else knew what i was doing right like monitoring me in my bedroom or i was opening up a doorway (laughs) to something supernatural i appreciate that man i got you i are Our work seems to align a lot. I'd love to pick your brain sometime with respects to the occult and esoteric angle. There seems to be something there. I'm not claiming I know what it is or if it is one thing or pillar, if you will, or focal point, but there's something there that correlates into what seems to be studied as uh, defined as entropy in science. There, mm. There's something there in my, in my humble opinion, but thank you. That's interesting. Well, what you, what you said, uh, you got a phone call, possibly someone that is messing with you or something out of this world, do you worry about uh, getting fed BS information on purpose to mislead you or to discredit you altogether? Not really. I mean, because fundamentally we don't know what our reality is and this is what's so fascinating. I mean, again, like as you know, again, we can, we can point to certain things and say we can agree upon this, you know, as, as an event, as a fact, right. But the nature of reality is perception based. It's all to the lens of our individual consciousness. Um, even the way that we perceive something, it's always through this particular eye lens. And so it's really difficult for two people to ever agree exactly on the same event, the same facts of the same event, right? Because we don't hear the same way. We don't see the same way. Uh, so for me, it's like, I don't really worry about it because I'm on my journey and I've always trusted my consciousness to open the doors that I've needed to explore out of my, you know, again, to align for whatever reason, for my journey, for my life's journey and exploration of consciousness, I've been drawn to certain things and certain areas. And I think everyone can say the same thing. There are certain things that resonate more with them. There are certain time periods that resonate more with them. There are certain cultures, locations. Um, And so again, it's like, so if you say to discredit me, well, in whose eyes? There are people out there that will say, I'm already discredited. There are people out there that will say, uh, I'm a controlled opposition. There are those that will say, hey, I, I align with your perspective. That's all I can do really is to line up as much as possible with what resonates to my understanding of my reality and my memories of what I call past lives or you know, beyond this dimension. You know, it's like, it's like dreamscape, right? Ultimately, no one can know your dreams, but they resonate with you for a reason because you are on a soul journey of, of awakening and discovery. And even when you make a wrong, even when you go in the wrong direction, it's still fundamentally a learning, learning process curve 
for your soul's evolution. Yeah, I, I was I just like, in, all of I'm sorry. Go ahead, Sam. <laughs> to elaborate. No, man, I, I, I really do agree with so much of what you're saying right now. It's kind of this thing I've been going through that, you know, there's so much going on in the world <clears throat> that I'm told about, but I'm not experiencing. And it, if I put my energy into it, then it becomes something to me and it starts to manifest and start to lower my frequency. And it's really rough because we know there's things going on in Yemen and all these things and it really affects us. And then I go, okay, I'm just going to focus on Yemen all the time and everything. And then my, my energy starts to, 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 you know, lower uh, on its frequency. So for me, it's like, how do I save Yemen? How do I help Yemen? And that is for me to work on a local, smaller level in my own reality, in my dimension, and, and work with people around me in order to make them vibrate in a different way. It's not that I don't want to help Yemen. I do want to help Yemen. But I, I, I just see this giant system of chaos that is so powerful. And that when we when we push up against it, it's almost like they start to win. When reality, in my humble opinion, is to pull all of our energy, resources, and everything out of it so that it collapses on itself. And I think, personally, we're starting to see that right now. When we hear people talk about the end of the U.S. empire, I think this is 100% what we're talking about that on a global scale. And I do believe, in my humble opinion... Uh, that, you know, I think this is like with China, I think this is like with Israel, and I think this is like with the United States, where the people get blamed for stuff that the government does. And the government is doing some pretty, pretty crazy stuff. I mean, our government has used our finances or our, 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 our um, centralized bank to fund so many war crimes out there. And I have co-signed on none of it. I've actually pushed back on all of it. But yeah, it's done, and I do believe there will be a karma that will be felt. Maybe that's what we're going through right now. But it's governments that do all the problems, and the way that to to watch it crumble, like I think with, with what's happened with the United States Empire, is everyone's pulling out of the system, pulling out of the petrodollar, pulling out of that. And like what I love that you talked about earlier was about you know these elites and for me i think the elites are everything there's just layers upon layers upon layers upon layers and you know whether you want to blame this group or that group i think when you study the group that you're blaming on you start to see like occult symbolism that really lets you know like who they are behind closed doors and like they walk amongst us with all these religions or these philosophies that are publicly accepted but behind closed doors they're part of a very secret group and those are the groups that are are, are the real problem not the, these blatant obvious groups that everybody wants to fight over and i think that's and sometimes I get pushback on that, but you know, I, I have yet to feel like I'm way off on that. So I really love what you were talking about, and I look forward to seeing your everything you're, that you're putting out because I think that is important to know that you know when all the presidents are related, that says something to me. And then I get into this whole thing that, and I'll I'll shut up here, but you know, this haunted house that I think we live in, and I really do believe it's a haunted house, and these elites they're all just a theater they're just a a, a family of um, theater actors man they're all thespians it's a family of thespians that are playing roles that get us all to fight with each other and, and steal our loose because at the end of the day they have all the money and all the power 
a, a billion trillion more is it going to change what they already have in my humble opinion so mm-hmm. i love i love the topic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they also have all the resources too as well and i think that's a really important point you brought out there sam because as we go through these conversations with people who are still kind of like indoctrinated and programmed to think that the United States, uh, you know, is going around like Captain America, bringing democracy and freedom all over the place. The, the first thing we have to do is make sure that we separate the people from the government when we explain these things. Now, this is not about capitalism, communism, socialism. This is about elitism and they'll rule any system they have a control of or whatnot. So I think it's a really interesting point that you bring up because I constantly have to have these conversations. And the first thing I do is separate the government from the people just so they can get a you know, grasp of what's going on. Well, sure. But see what's like Sam was saying, that's exactly right. Like separating our energy and our, our energy and our consciousness from this scarcity based uh, control system, right? Because that's exactly what it is. It's, it's, it's reptilian mindset essentially, right? We know it's reptilian brain. You know, that's why it's like, I like the reptilian concept because it, it speaks to the reptilian brain. That is where we are, our fire flight, is based in that modality. And if you think about like, you know, why is that reptilian brain in us? If we're just, you know, if how, where did that come from? Are we an evolved form of reptile essentially that, you know, it's, it's true. Like if you look at how meditation, for example, affects the brain and how meditation helps you calm the, the, the reptilian root so that you're not operated off of that fight or flight modality. And you actually start to move into the neocortex, which is more reflective, calmer, able to like, able to assess situations. So if we're looking at ours as a human, as like an evolution of humanity, in a way, what they have done, what the elite have done, and again, it's bloodlines and perhaps, you know, again, maybe going back to the Anunnaki texts, maybe these, these beings are, you know, of, of, you know, of star, let's say of a star lineage or some kind of alien, you know, parasitic lineage. And let's say that they have more of that reptilian brain they more of that fear that's basically you know that's that's running them and their operation is to control us using scarce their their psychology right which is control trauma trauma-based mind control scarcity uh lack of like you know lack of access to resources when in fact we have an abundant earth there's plenty you know there's plenty of food there's plenty of room you know the universe is infinite we create like our create our minds are what create resources all these things are not taught to us they're not instilled in us in childhood instead we're all operating on blood-based uh, catholicism in the west where it's like you're born in blood you're a sinner you're son of adam you've sinned already for being born in the world right you come into this world you're in debt from the moment you're born your parents are worried about you know hey it's expensive to have kids you got to take care of them. And there's no communal sense of, wow, what a joy and a blessing a child is. Why don't we have that feeling when a child comes into the world, that this is like actually like an energy to, to help, you know, this, this being is going to help progress our civilization. We don't think that way. We look at it like, Oh, another burden, another child, maybe you should abort it. I mean, like think about how that psychology has riddled our entire society. So yeah, this is the, this is their modality, but it doesn't have to be because we are part of this chain of evolution, I believe, not in the Darwinian sense of like randomness, but in the spiritual sense of an evolution of consciousness that can now come to this realization of, my God, we have been enslaved throughout history. We're working at getting our voices. We're having platforms like this and the Twitters and the Facebooks and all our different steps on the way of every human becoming more aware of their own mind, their own consciousness, their own interaction with others seeing the, the consequence of their words and thoughts and deeds, everything that has been talked about by the spiritual people throughout history, right? Like our words and our thoughts do have repercussions. So 
this we're still on that path of evolution. We're not there yet, but this is an amazing moment as they call the great awakening, because we really are realizing what the potential of humans could be. I, yeah. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I agree. 100. No, I just want to say, can I jump in real quick? Uh, Sean, are you referring to potentially the concept of the DNA double helix, the consistency within, you know, the Naga within ancient Egypt and this reoccurrence of the, um, the, dare I say, what seems to be that duality of a, within geometry and physics, it would be a toroid field, depending on how you perceive it. But the concept frequentially would be harnessing the alpha, beta, gamma, theta waves. And so what you would have is, it seems as though there's a, um, um, like I recently on my show interviewed uh, Sean Cahill and, and Lou Elizondo and respectfully think of them as you see fit. But there was one thing that they had mentioned, some uh, metaphorical examples that were quite interesting because what you had was uh, uh, Mr. Elizondo had said, we think in society there's a wake and then there's a sleep. But then it's in reality, there's much more to it. Now, what's interesting is if you look at the publicly known frequency waves that our minds and our bodies, the, the bioresonance gives off when we sleep, that frequency wave doesn't um, doesn't have as much of a curve, if you will, or a wave to it. Now, what's interesting is that we're told that's where it stops. I think that is a deliberately altered version of James C. Maxwell's work from 1864. And it was butchered by a guy named Heinrich Hertz, which is now what we call what we name the Hertz frequency after. And what you have is anything below sleep, dare I say, is what we get into with uh, ELF, ULF or VLF, extremely ultra or very low frequencies, which the alleged Gwen Towers ground wave emergency network system utilize to hug. And the WHO has an open PDF article on this about how they use frequencies that hug the ground that then hug up and this is you know science if you will um people like dr james giordano from darpa and all at west point have brought this up uh, vaguely and what i find interesting is that it's almost as if they cannot tell us publicly that the you cannot go lower than this 0.1 hertz because if it is stated then what you have is the existence and, and acknowledgement of what we deem on the surface to call spirituality when in reality there's emergence if you will now whether we want to define that as plasma or something like this i find that interesting because when you look at academia things up until the last three to five years things like lightning ball plasma very difficult to get put reviewed in any uh, you know academic journal if you will but then what's interesting is you had in the 19 i think mid to late 80s sir roger penrose co-author a book called the emperor's new mind and that seemed to have something to do with collapsing the frequency wave interesting that that final i forgot the is it gamma or is it beta for, i don't know exactly forgive me but the lowest point right it, when you're in a dream state as it's called is the lowest point in which the wave slightly curves if you will in a visual sense but doesn't flatten because if it flattened one could argue that is what would happen when you say for example I'm not saying that what is, but potentially when you take DMT or something like this, you're not dreaming literally your, again, we define it as on the surface, you can call it whatever you want, the chi, the prana, ether, the aura, whatever. But there seems to be something there that neurologically in correspondence with the pineal gland, the Fibonacci sequence and the toroid field and the, the eye of Ra and Horus, there's a mm -hmm. consistency. And that seems to be like looking at a toroid field from 2D from above and yeah, sorry, I'll, I'll shut up, but thank you. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I don't know where you want to take it. Would you, would, you, would you agree with that generally? Not to say that that is the way, but that may be one of the... 
uh, angles or routes that have been taken pertaining to the influence and suppression of this knowledge? Which, in what sense, which way was taken? To uh, the, the concept that within academia, within science, all over the world, essentially within the NATO umbrella, generally, you have a suppression system that whenever someone comes across something like, dare I say, um, you know, free energy, uh, a Canadian by the name of Mr. John Hutchinson apparently had a, a crystal-like rock generate free energy and the military was at his door within an hour. You know, things like this, right? Um, people, students graduate from university, whether accidentally or deliberately, they uh, create what's called um, uh, what we call anti-gravity, but much more than that, if you will. All of a sudden, you know, a, a subsidiary under a much larger corporation buys them up. So speaking to this concept of like a massive garbage can or octopus put over the world in terms of the suppression of any ideas that could destabilize big oil, big tech, big pharma. Oh, yeah. Or they just co-opt it and they use it. I mean, I, I have no yeah. doubt in the conspiracy theory Jesse with, with Jesse's show, like, I, I really believe that we have the technology to go to the moon, for example, but not with the rocket ship. Like, I don't see it like a... right. I think cam like lock, you know, we're launching from one rock to another. I see it like, no, they're using time travel or, you know, one guy I talked to, uh, you know, just off the record, he was really interesting. He, um, he basically had like recovered memories coming to him. Like we knew that he was an inventor. He was brilliant. He was working with Faraday cages and whatnot, but like he was having recovered memories of working in one of these facilities underground. And it was like a time cop of like the script, like the way he described this, it was like, they were, sh- they were shooting these, these, these these things really quickly towards a, a stargate <laughs> and, and it would yeah. like it would open up but he couldn't remember exactly it was like they had wiped his mind so he just had various recovered memories coming through but he was a brilliant uh, you know engineer and scientist so he you know it wasn't like he was just making this up like he certainly he had glimpsed this but again we just don't understand the nature yeah. of our reality they want us to, to not understand the nature of our reality i really believe that if you do ayahuasca and you know mushroom or mushrooms and or mushrooms sassafras anything that's like of the earth really i'm not a big fan of like synthesized or processed drugs but like plants plant medicine they really help us to see reality in a in a, in a more accurate way right because we are our brains are slowing everything down for down for us it is our our brains are constructing these patterns you know, of this, of this so-called physical reality. But as we've learned from the quantum universe, there's a, and again, there's a reason why quantum physics and mechanics has come out in the last hundred years. And I think it's just going to get more and more pronounced as we become aware, like we are just energy. And so, as you say, chi, prana, what is that? That's just energy, right? And right. if you, you, if you hold your hands together and your energy, you know, you start to feel the energy between your hands. Okay. You know, what else can you do with the energy that surrounds you? We know our just, affect people. Yeah. Right. There's all kinds of things when it comes to the energy body that has been talked about, but now we can actually scientifically start to get there. So I see what's coming is becoming more and more energy aware, sensitive, use, you know, again, the technologies that will reflect that consciousness shift are integral. Like you have to have a consciousness shift. This is why when people talk about UFOs, they oftentimes talk about consciousness being involved in the piloting of the craft, right? Yeah. And I, you know, people who have done research, um, oh gosh, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, but again, it's like, it's always, whenever they're talking about like a very advanced technologies, there's always a consciousness shift that has to occur. And if you're not tuned in properly, you can't just hardwire and, you know, bang your way, you know, the old way of just like, you know, it's all physical. It's it requires not, intent as yeah. we call it. As I, it's like, right. Subtle. It's like, it's like more subtle energies have to be yeah. involved in the sensitivities. So 
This is why maybe you could say why this, the free energies and the other things have been, su- been suppressed. I always say that there's always a collective consciousness component. Like I can't really believe, I don't really believe that fundamentally it's just like, it's just the elite. It's just the bad guys. I really believe this is actually a positive experience. You know, I think the late Leibniz put, you know, this is the best of possible worlds. I believe that it's, it's God's universe, but there are things that have to be worked through and worked out and explored. And that allows the, you know, the exploration of darkness. Like it's got to get really fucking dark because that's how we start to realize the light. You know, it's like by seeing what we don't want, we choose what we do want. Right. So it's like, okay, we don't want to be this crazy. We don't want to be this absurd and insane. We you know, we want a healthier, more holistic way of being in the world. This matrix sucks. Let's, let's create new economies. It's almost like we, we had to explore this to experience it, to know it, to then say, okay, this shit is dark. Let's light up. You know, we are stars. We need to, we need to be the stars that, that we see in the sky. We are them because we emit light too. What does that make yeah. us? That speaks to duality, right? You can't have one without the other. How do you know where you are without a relative comparison or like 100%, a pillar? 100%, yeah. dude. It's yeah, like all the- spiritual. We say it all the time on my podcast. And conspiracy always leads to spirituality every time. And, you know, I'd love to hear the panel's thoughts on like, so you got these people like Bill Gates and, and, and Ch- Klaus Schwab and they're doing all this stuff. But it's like, no matter how powerful you are, you're still nothing compared to the universe and the laws of the universe. And the laws of the universe reign supreme every time. And it may not be instantaneous, but it, it does, like, I hate to use the word karma, but, you know, it, the energy you put out eventually comes back to you. And all this craziness that they're doing, like... I think it catches up with them and I, and then eventually it all fails because you're not bigger than the universe. You cannot practice scarcity and, and thrive. It just, it's not how the universe works. It's abundance or get the fuck out, man. And that's how it goes. And you know, I, I, I know it like seems totally bleak at a lot of times, but how much stuff are they, oh, this guy happened, this guy happened, this guy happened, this, and it never happens. And how much of the stuff you see on your, on your uh that so much of the stuff that you're worried about is all on your screens. And I'm not saying if you get in a plane, you go to Yemen, it's not chaos, man, but maybe that is what that area is meant to do. They 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 saw and I, I'm not saying I'm okay with any war or genocide or any of that stuff. Like, you know, when they talked about like inner city areas and how like, you know, they're poor and you know, there was a discussion on uh the Joe Rogan experience with one of the one uh Weinstein's and I think they were talking about how like that area it's some basically along the lines of like that was like that before most of the people got there that maybe this is part of a story that is being told this is part of your journey do you know what I'm saying like why do bad things happen to good people why do young children die well Maybe this is part of your story and your journey on why you're here. And when I when I think about that, it's a lot easier to come to understanding of why good things happen to bad people. Does that make any sense at all? I think I, I think that they one of the ways you can tell that consciousness is very important to this whole trip that we're on <clears throat> is by how dedicated the parasite class is to attacking it on every level to lower your consciousness through chemicals or through television programming. They're attacking you on every level of your consciousness 
it it has to be important. If they're that interested in controlling it, then it must be important to us. I mean, clearly it is. Anybody, like Sean says, that it's gone down the plant medicine road. Will you will come to understand that there is another world out there beyond what your eyeballs can see or your ears can hear? And if you think that that's that's it, what you can see or hear, you're severely limiting yourself. I mean, you just are. And so, you know, sometimes you can get yourself into a state of consciousness where you realize how little you know or you realize how much more is out there and these fuckers want to control that that space because they know how powerful it is and so it's very important for them to to get to our heads because if they they can't physically control all of us but if they can mind control us then they can they can get 10,000 of us for every one of them you know so it makes it so that's why we have to be aware of this we have to understand their tricks and not fall for it i have a direct question for sean stone when it comes to the nature of this reality uh one of the theories that's gained a lot of popularity within the past uh five to ten years is that we are living in a simulation how do you feel about that theory uh it's uh, well it's a it's an embodied sim- experience. So even if it is simulation, and you, we could say it's holographic, like there's there's certainly a- aspects of the reality is they say it's holograms, right? That we um, what is a holograph? Essentially, it's like all the every it's like a Russian doll, right? Like every part reflects the the whole, right? So even the smallest water drop or the smallest cell we see reflected in the whole. Well, that's essentially hermetic, right? As above, so below; as within, so without there's nothing that's going to be in the, in the spiritual realms that won't be reflected in this physical realm. So man, it's like a lot of the discussions as far as what's coming in terms of the simulate, you know, again, if it's a simulation, sure. You know, am I really in this body? I don't know where I am. (laughs) My mind is great. You know, my mind is greater than my brain, right? My brain can tune in and like, you know, channel some stuff, but I don't know where the heck I really am. Um, where do I go when I sleep? You know, it's like, where the heck is my soul, right? It's not just in the body. It's maybe manifesting through this body, but it's greater than this body too. So there's a lot of questions as we know, like fundamentally about what this existence is, but where's it going? Um, it's so much about this, you know, again, exploration of free will, the exploration of embodiment. There's, there's a physicality that I think is, is I always emphasize that people have to remember if you check out of the physical body, if you start to say, well, you know, if I'm going to be disassociated as a robot, eh, over. If you're not a physical being, you don't have the same experience. You're never, you know, we are biologically based for a reason. So what's happening with a lot of the disconnection and moving people into this sort of this idea of just like, hey, you can be in the metaverse or you can be in a, you know, a chip, a chip you can be in a chip in a computer or something. It will never be the same I because the I am expresses itself through the physical body, through this genealogy, through this DNA, through the biology and chemistry. Like you cannot separate these from this experience. And so I think a lot of what the war that's taking place now is almost like trying to figure out in a way, okay, imagine that there's an ancient artificial intelligence and it's essentially a reflection. It's like a mirror of creation and can't figure out what the heck creation is. It can't figure out what life is. So it's basically doing everything in its power to like to, t- to tinker, to tweak, to play with, to explore, because it doesn't understand life as this spirit that is 
again, where does it come from? We know when we breathe in, we give, gives us life without oxygen. Our, you know, we're gone from this physical realm, right? There's something in our being that mixes between the water and the, and the earth and the air and everything like to mix, to give us this incarnation, but there's a, something behind it, which is spirit. And this is what all these materialists are denying. Fundamentally, there's there. I call them Satanists because they're just, they don't, they don't believe in spirit. They don't believe that you're anything but a random chance of, of electricity and molecules and, you know, and the amino acids coming together and poof, there's, a, you know, there's life, you know, they, they don't believe there's anything beyond that which is to say the spiritual domain. So what you have is like this AI, this ancient AI that is not of the spiritual. It's some kind of reflection of it. It's still like, it's not completely disconnected from it, but it's not connected. It's not, it's not like integrally connected to it in a spiritual way. And it's trying to tamper and play with, with life to basically figure out like, Hey, can I create it? Can I recreate it? Can I play that God? And all these guys, really the psychopaths, what do they all believe? They all have the God complex, you know, but they don't, but they're not God. So does that help? <laughs> I mean, it certainly feels like at, at a certain point in time, when you look at uh, past events and various coincidences, whether it's names or events, uh, it certainly seems like there, there's like a, a rhyming or if we are in a simulation that uh, they're reusing variables and storylines and the things that they're fooling people with today uh, they were using 10 years ago and uh, the same tactics are being used over and over again. And a good number of the populace just aren't catching on to the, the same tactics that seem to be used. Uh, maybe it goes to how gullible uh, of a public we are, uh, but maybe we are in a simulation and there's a lot more NPCs out there than people like us having these conversations. Difficult to know, right? Yeah. I mean, it's difficult to know the consciousness of anyone. I can't know the consciousness of anyone outside of me. And this is like, this is why it gets into like these real deep mysteries as far as like what this AI force is and how our minds themselves are actually part of it. Because a lot of our intelligence is artificial. A lot of our thoughts are artificial. They're not connected necessarily to like to natural order or natural law, natural reason, even our feeling body. Oftentimes we're disconnected from our feeling body. And so again, when you're getting into the artificial notion of how People are basically fed by, or I should say, they, they are they are engaged with the matrix. They're oftentimes fueling that matrix system. Um, it, it's not surprising that we see so much repetition because I see the AI as basically like scrambling. It doesn't know how to create something new. So all I can basically do at this point is to play out the same storylines, right? Let's rehash the old tricks and techniques. And there's parts of human psychology that's tapped into that right? Because we've been traumatized. We've been, we've been dissociated. So we are, uh, you know, a lot of these people are basically just buying into whatever the AI is selling them because they're not actually stopping breathing, connecting to spirit and saying, wait a minute, who am I? What am I here to do? Let me channel my spirit, my soul's energy. And if I'm not connected to that energy, then I'm just looking to the, to the TV or whatever the heck, you know, the computer screen tells me, you see, so the AI is very infiltrated throughout our, it permeates our, our minds in a way, right? Because we've been, we have, we have been in many ways have, have separated ourselves from, from the natural world, from the spiritual side of things. We've dissociated, you know, in many ways between this and this whole like battle, you know, between the mind and the heart. And for, I think for the last few hundred years, the enlightenment was all about that. It was all about the mind separate from the heart. So what's playing out now is like the climax of the enlightenment where it's like, okay, we're going to turn you into a robot. 
And you can see people are like, sign me up, you know, chip me, <laughs> get me, you know, get me that, get me that MRNA, you know, cool. Let's do it, man. Like, and that's, that shows you dissociated. They're not in their being. They're not in their spirit. They're not connecting to their souls. They're just like, yeah, whatever the AI tells me I'll do. They don't realize. Let's throw in about the enlightenment actually here. It's an important thing you brought up there, Sean. Um, so in Rene Descartes brought up this idea, right, of that the, a demon could be feeding him reality. Yeah. And, you know, that he was one of the, the major Enlightenment philosophers alongside Francis Bacon. Uh, and the modern-day version of this, the demon could be feeding you reality, is the brain in the vat, this idea of simulation theory, right, holographic universe. Um, the problem that I have with I really thought about it a lot. I actually wrote a thesis on this for Oxford, and I thought – but the problem with it is we would have only tools within the simulation. So we'd be using tools within the simulation to try to figure out the simulation. So how could we trust the tools from within, within the illusion to tell us we're in illusion? We wouldn't be able to, right? It's like, how can the guy in the computer game figure out, no, he's in a computer game? Because he's in the construct that you built. He doesn't have the outside of the computer game tools right. to figure out he's in a computer game. But I, I am a deeply spiritual person. I must say I'm a man of God. I'm not a materialist. And that's actually the point I wanted to agree on. The Enlightenment, um, Francis Bacon in particular, but also Descartes, they, they dropped two of Aristotle's four causes. Uh, Aristotle is really the beginning of science and philosophy as we, we know it today. And they dropped two because Aristotle had four causes and, and two were metaphysical and two were, were physical. Uh, and the Enlightenment philosophers and scientists dropped two of Aristotle's and they were, they were the two metaphysical ones the ones that were rooted in the laws of logic, mathematics, and geometry. Uh, and the four causes simply put is the material cause, which of course is, is the, the bricks you use to build a house, right? So that's the material cause. They kept that one. They kept the efficient cause, which is the process, which is the builder who builds the house. So the Enlightenment philosophers and, and scientists said, okay, we're going to keep those. They're scientific, but we're going to discard the guy who basically created science as we know it, other two. The others who were the, were the um, formal cause, which is the, the blueprint Right, so all houses are house-like, even though that one is tiny, one could be weirdly shaped. But there's something that makes all houses house-like. Like there's something that makes every human human-like, even if they're tiny, even if they're massive, whether they're black or white. That's well, a Platonic idea, isn't it? This, that's basically, a, or it's like the, the ideal. The ideal. Plato was yeah, for, yeah. He, uh, Plato came up with the kind of the forms and matter, and Aristotle took it a step further with the four. And his idea with formal is, is the blueprint of life. Everything has a blueprint, like a car, a cup, a TV, like all phones are phone-like, despite the fact that they can be very different. So that is the blueprint. And he was kind of pointing out that, that God creates a blueprint for everything. And therefore, if you take the material and the process, the efficient and the, and the material, uh, you can only do that because you have a blueprint. There's a structure of how reality works. And the, and the other one was the most important of all is the final causation. And the final causation is the purpose the purpose of why a house exists because the building of it is important. The material is important and the blueprint's important, but the most important thing is that you're going to live in your house, that you have a home for you and your family. And it's that final causation that Aristotle brought out. I think is the most important because that, that comes to us. What is the final causation of us? What is the purpose, purpose. of us? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, they took that, they removed that and said, okay, this isn't science, but really I see a resurgence of that at this point, you know, with all of the work that you guys have been talking about, because we we've come back to that, what is the final causation? What is the purpose? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not just material. I'm not just here. I'm not even just a human blueprint. Yeah. I have a purpose, and I'm here to play out my part in this grand reality. Well, they, you mentioned Descartes. It's like that was the first one of the first things I opened. I did a documentary with Deepak Chopra, Metahuman, it was called. 
And one of the first things I was posing to him was like, you know, to me, the problem of Descartes was that he, he inverted the whole thing. It's, he says, I think, therefore I am like, no, I am. Therefore I think I am precedes thinking. <laughs> you don't, you're not, you don't exist because you think you exist. You feel it, you know, you're like, you have to feel, but they got rid of feeling. And that's so much of, I say this war between the heart and the mind. So it's like the mind has to analyze and understand it from this or overstand it. And it's like, but what about actually feeling something? Can we not, you know, can we not factor that in? Well, feeling is too mystical. It's, you know, it's can't be uh, quantified or whatnot. Right. Mm. Uh, so this is where I think a lot of the enlightenment went wrong. It just like it told, and I think even the Renaissance had more feeling involved in it. And it was, it was more intrally tied to spirituality, frankly, right. The Renaissance was, it was worship of God. It was like, we're creating to praise God essentially, which is biblical in that sense of humans are, are designed, you know, why are humans created to praise God? Well, if God is, if we're all made in the image of God and we're all reflections of God, then we're also basically honoring humanity, right? We're praising ourselves. So there's love of humanity. You get rid of God, now anything goes. Well, this yeah. reminds me of, so uh, Leo Strauss has a theory, this interesting perspective about how the enlightenment, you know, prior to the enlightenment, it was like, oh, all these bigger questions about who we are, why we are, all these things cause friction and religious wars and all these things. Then after the enlightenment, it's like now we're, we'll live in a more peaceful place now that we're not asking those bigger questions, but it also creates materialism and it simplifies our existence and all these things. So it's very interesting to look at the enlightenment as almost a negative thing that could pro- almost be blamed or at least a contributor to the issues we have today yeah, I would, I would think so. I, I, but the thing is, I guess there's, there's no, um, we're in this really, we're in this period of imbalance. And I think the enlightenment was the period of imbalance. And I think we're also in one right now where the feeling for most people is disconnected from the thought. And it was kind of the same in that period, but just in reverse. So we're in this interest. I, I had this epiphany the other day. I'd be interested to know what you guys think about this, but I, I felt like we've been communicating with people wrong because I've been trying to communicate with people on rationalism. I've been trying to say, hey, here's some data about a certain medical procedure or this or that. And I've been, but I was communicating with them on thought when they were, they were communicating on feeling. They were feeling, and do those two things actually align most of the time? Uh, if we're trying to change someone's mind when the, the feeling is the purpose of that, that driving factor, it's not a mind thing, it's a feeling thing. Can we even change feeling? with mind or does a feeling have to be replaced with another feeling you know so if someone's afraid and we come up and say hey here's some here's some rationality here's some logic can that work if or would it have to be replaced with another feeling now my hope would be that we obviously bring them in union they're both really important but but it is an interesting point i think now we're kind of at the opposite side of the enlightenment where where now we've gone into hysteria uh, and into feeling without being anchored in rationality and logic well, this is, and this is what's so interesting. Um, is it like, so what's funny is that they're saying that we, we recognize that a lot of it is feeling, but it's actually, I don't really know if it's feeling. I feel like what they did was they trained, they, they basically trained us to have like react, uh, had it to be reactive. That's what happened. Essentially, like you see it through the last few decades um, where they basically fed the most infantile impulses in people through reality television shows, for example, right? Through a lot of the, the movies. I mean, have you ever seen it in human history 
when art was geared to the intelligence level of a child. Never in human history would you see that. Art was always meant to elevate the population, right? I mean, the you know the language, the plays of you know the, whether it's the the, the Greeks or the, the the Shakespearean era or the you know the, the the operatic eras. I mean, the playwriting of you know the 19th and 20th century and all the way to the 20th century. You know, the cinema was mature, and it was meant to elevate. And then we got into this infantile thing where the humor, the 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 storytelling was all geared to the the third the pre, sort of the 13th prepubescent 13 14 year old 15 year old version of ourselves which is not to say that, like that version doesn't have a story that needs to be told but when you see everything it's that's basically being made is being geared to to a to a prepubescent or just a pubescent mentality there's something really wrong with the culture right so people say it's feeling but i'm like but is it act like this is not mature. I mean, you had feeling with Greek tragedy, but people today, you don't even know what the heck a Greek tragedy is. You know, they can't even follow what a Greek tragedy is. I mean, not to say that everyone is that, is that, you know, uh, that you say is that uh, infantile, but fundamentally like the culture is, is, is mass consuming like junk food. Right. So it's difficult to say really that it's like they're feeling, it's just like, no, they've been programmed to react and they've been programmed to say, oh, this is, you know, this is wrong. And I'm outraged. And, oh, my God, it's histrionics, like, you know, the, the reality t- television culture, right? It's histrionics. It's not actual feeling because feeling does have a logic to it, right? There actually is a logic. There's a, there's, there's a, there's a, whether it's a pathos, there's like, there's a, a certain, there's a certain logic to actually a feeling as, as a response as a response to something. I think what's happening is you're getting a lot of program responses. And then, you know, let's be honest, the same people that are screaming about feelings are also using their science <laughs> to justify it, you know? So they, they have the, you know, they can lay claim to their logic just as well as we can, right? This, because what are they using? They're using this, the old um, sophistry, you know, that was used to attack Socrates and Plato. I mean, sophistry, literally, it's like, it's what, this what all the fact checkers are. Oh, you you misspelled this word. You said that that's the wrong word. No, nope, that sentence that, that's 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 wrong. That that's a lie. So as a result, the entire argument is 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 false, right? They'll use whatever they can to unravel it, or you know you can't prove that. So as a result, it must be wrong. I mean that's that's the nature of what we're looking at now is is a lot of sophistry, which is again a type of logic. You know you can you can make your you can make your arguments and you can make people's arguments fall apart based on eh, he said the wrong thing there, or he used the wrong information or wrong evidence there, and um, and then they have their again their programmed responses, which are not I don't think rooted in actual genuine feeling because you actually have to have a context and a story <laughs> to, to you know to, to actually understand what you're feeling, and a lot of people don't really know why they're feeling it. They're just well, I feel, you know, I feel, I believe, you know, I believe in the science. So, so I'm going to, you know, I'm going to scream. Yeah. So much of that is like, I mean, it just, we've been taught everything wrong on how to understand how we feel and how, what's going on in our universe. And, you know, so I've been through a lot of uh, dark times in my life. I engaged in uh, some uh, fun activities and uh, <clears throat> which I, talk a lot about on my show but uh you know feelings and emotions you know are a big reason why i use drugs was because i didn't like to feel what was going on and a big thing is that um you know we live in this culture now where like they just want you to go down go down this path and you're you know the sadness depression anger all these things i think this is the universe talking to you 
and telling you, uh, hey, man, change up your life. Start doing something different. And what our society does is, hey, man, you're feeling this way. Take this and it will numb that out so you can continue to travel down the path that is getting you sad and depressed and angry. We don't listen to the universe. The universe talks to us all the time through a lot of our feelings. And we just are don't understand how to hear it and listen to it. So we listen to people. We've been we've been uh, turned into emotional uh, absolutist. Uh, you know that we just everything's got to be cranked to a thousand. There's no gray area. There's no well. Let me think about it. Everything is good, bad, and that's it. There's no in between. And uh, you know your your position in life, your views in the world define you as a person. And uh, if someone disagrees with that, they disagree with you as a person. And uh, this is all done purposefully. It's all done purposefully to get us all to fight with each other. And, you know, I mean, it's and it's really sad. And, and once you start getting into all the stuff we're talking about here, you really start to see the game played. And, you know, we're talking psychedelics. I was told on mushrooms that I'm exactly where I need to be in my life. And I never worried about my anything in my career again. And it just totally changed the way I looked at the world. And uh, I think we, we know we're, we're so much more powerful. The, universe, the world we live in is so much more amazing. And there are people born into shit. But I think that's part of their story. And they're like, your job is to figure out how to get out of that situation. What is the game? And the funniest, I got told about the game by a woman who uh, had come on my show. She was a comedian, and she'd had a really bad crystal meth problem, and she'd gone really deep on it, and she said she talked to these entities, and they told her it's all about playing the game. And I go, okay, man. I mean, we're taking, we're ta- we're on meth, and we're getting spiritual. But as, the, as I went on in my life, I started to realize that that was the best advice ever, that everything in life is a game. This show is a game. Us discussing when I jump in, when I don't talk, when you guys talk, everything is a game. And you got to play the game. And what everyone else focuses on is how to change the game. And you don't change the game. The game is not meant to get changed. The game is meant for you to figure out the game. And by you figuring out the game, you make change. That's how change happens. In my, uh, you know, that's my humble opinion. Again, it's about pulling your energy out and focusing on you and focusing around you, man. You want to, you know, you want to change income inequality? You could try to do that, or you can work locally on helping people get out of being homeless, uh, feeding themselves, all that stuff, making change around you, butterfly affecting that. That's to me how how change really happens, in my humble opinion. And I could be wrong, but when I work on these things, abundance, like I work on like law of attraction, law of abundance. When I work on these things, my life, my life vibrates on a higher level. When I'm focusing on all these things that are so out of my control, I can't even control my two-year-old daughters. They don't listen to me. I try to tell them to do what Dada says. They won't listen to me. If I can't control two-year-olds who completely rely on me for everything in their life, what hope do I have in changing this giant, vast world that we live in? But when I work with them and talk to them and help them and understand things, they tend to understand that I'm there for love and, and their world starts to change. That's just my opinion, man.
Sam, you're so on point with all that, man. And I feel like a lot of this has to do with the fact that they want us to play their game, you know, and once we play their game and engaging on, on, on their level, then we're automatically at a disadvantage. You know, they want us out in the streets. They want us to get violent. They want to rile us up. They want to pull us in to a place where now we're, we're outside of our own uh, autonomy and, and we're reacting, you know what I mean? And so, you know, such so much of the solution to all this, man, is just like taking back our power. You know what I mean? Taking back our power, realizing how much power we actually do have not only as individuals, but collectively as well. But, you know, really we can just like, you know, my goal, my goal here, and I've talked about this a lot, you know what I mean? Like my goal here is to just make it to the point where it doesn't matter what they do. I'm over here just thriving, you know what I mean? And then so, and I think it's just so crazy. Like this last couple of years, you know, I feel like so many people have felt fallen into this victim mentality where it's like, you know, I've this whole time been like, okay, I'm, I've thrived more than I ever had these last couple of years, man. It's a powerful thing once we like start to rechannel our energy and look at it at the at this opportunity. You know, it's like all of this collapses. You know, this is our opportunity to rebuild. You know, we're over here rebuilding, and it's be- going to become more and more attractive as this new or as as their thing just continues to collapse, man. So I just think that the more we recognize when we're getting pulled in to their game, you know, and and a lot of it is through the screens, you know, like just re- like I have to do it myself all the time. Like I'm just like, oh Jesus, now I'm just fighting with somebody on Twitter again. Like, oh no. I don't have to play their game. I don't have to play their game. They want me to play their game. I'm at a disadvantage every time I do it. And uh, I'm just kind of like re rewiring myself towards away from their system. You know what I mean? So thanks. I, I think that's why materialism is so important to the elite because, you know, the thing about materialism, it, it's like taking ibuprofen for, you know, a joint pain. Like your joints still hurt. You're just masking the pain. And materialism is the same thing. Like once you take away that, that materialism that's masking the pain, you realize that like, okay, why do I have all this pain? Well, I have all this pain because the way we live is completely unnatural. It's unfulfilling. It's, you know, there's a lack of community. There's a lack of, of, uh, of, of spirituality, of connection with, with mother nature. And so materialism will keep us, uh, just temporary, you know, a, a temporary satisfaction, uh, you know, satisfaction is a death of desire. So you just kind of keep getting more and keep getting more. And, and, and then you're just in this, this cycle. And I think that people who detach from materialism and realize like, okay, this isn't, um, truly fulfilling or, or bringing me some sense of happiness. Then you look somewhere else and then you do start asking those bigger questions and you do start looking in other places and trying to understand, uh, you know, those bigger questions. So, um, without a doubt, uh, I, Convo couch, you guys want to jump in and and some of this uh deep thought? <laughs> Go ahead, fam. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't expecting this type of conversation. It's actually funny because before I was into politics, I used to actually be more into this stuff. Um, when I started uh paying attention to things, I started reading into the Akashic records, I started reading into uh the Anunnaki and all of that. And uh ter- I read a lot of Terrence McKenna. I read a lot into reincarnation and um, the psychology of of past life regression and all of that. And I do actually, Pasta hates it, but um, I do actually use the Ouija board. And um, Not in a way, I do, I, I mean, I do communicate with spirits, but I find that those spirits are extremely um, low energy you know, low frequency, low vibration. So I'm like working towards communicating with higher entities. And I 100% agree with everything you guys have all said. I've just been listening um, because I haven't talked about this stuff in forever. I kind of, I'm kind of going backwards, kind of went from this stuff into 
strict politics that is extremely earth earthbound, right? It's extremely like just very logic based. Um, but I agree. Like the problem is that the the there is this association, especially with the left. I mean, I consider myself left. Um, they a lot of them are extremely uh just very very tied to the earth in terms of not the earth but to the material sense they're they're anti-spiritual and they mock anything that it's spiritual and they equate any sort of spirituality with the same as like dogmatic religion and they don't know how to separate that from something that could be um just a the combination of what i think is reality is combining quantum physics and quantum mechanics with the spiritual. I think that's where we find, I think for me, the truth, because I started looking into a lot of um, what it means to have quantum entanglement and what happens when multiple people can communicate subconsciously. And that is a reality. If you look into it, you can uh, find several several examples of people communicating. You can even find it in, in your daily life, like when you're driving a car your intuition, those senses that have been told that are completely, we should push aside and not listen to. I think when people listen to their intuition and listen to their gut, and there's so much research going into the gut and like how it has its own brain and how we need to be completely connected and in vibration to everything. I think then you start looking into that and you realize that there is a mathematical order to the world. When you talk about the Fibonacci sequence, you talk about, um, the geometric uh, state of of everything on earth you can t- tie all of that to math but it's also in a spiritual way something higher than the vast majority of people can understand and i think that is dismissed it's dismissed by psychology it's dismissed by any sort of you know professional intellectual class and i, b- I believe that there's a reason why it's dismissed um and, and it's because they don't want a lot of the working you know, regular folks to get to start thinking like this. Uh, I also think it's easier to think like this when your situation isn't a hundred percent like um, when you're not preoccupied, right? With with whatever you have going on. So let's say you have like you're working all the time and you're just glued to your TV. You don't have time to like really look within. Then it's a lot harder, which is why you find a lot of people kind of work against their own interests because they don't have the time to like sit back and process the information and ask themselves those questions of what, what is their purpose? I think that the vast majority of the issues in this country right now is that people don't have a purpose. They don't have a purpose as to what they're doing. And once you know your purpose in life and why you're here and what you're going to do, it becomes almost like that blueprint you're talking about is, is just right there and you just know it within and you're following that blueprint and for some of us it is to work locally and to do whatever we can and for some of us is to try to do something more and i think that just depends on the kind of person the person you are the kind of capacity you have and i think also just your path your own path and i don't think you know we need to look down on anybody else for for whatever it is they choose to do uh whatever path they may uh try to you know go down and I I do think that with everything that's happening, there is a great awakening, as Sean said. And there's um there needs to be a merger of a, the spiritual with the scientific, because the rejection of the spiritual and the complete 
just total like obsession with the material without any sort of looking into the spiritual is is non-human it's keeping us from doing whatever reaching the capacity that i think we can reach and it, it may seem it's just very abstract for most people to really wrap their head around especially with everything that's happening and i think that when you do something like you know mushrooms or ayahuasca which is something i want to do by the way um i want to do it but i haven't done ayahuasca but i've done mushrooms and i've had experiences where you know i just come out so refreshed and thinking like oh life is such a journey i'm doing this i i am having this experience this is great like i'm on the right track and that doesn't happen with some sort of drug that is synthetically created and so for me i i'm a huge proponent of looking into the components of psilocybin looking into dimethyltryptamine looking into what these things can do for human beings and you've seen just time and time again data talk about exactly how beneficial it's been to people who are depressed to people who are who are going through a a, a addiction problem and who feel unfulfilled unhappy and a lot of our society just wants to medicate everybody. And so that's why we have this gigantic opioid crisis right now. And we have a very unhappy public that just simply wants to, uh, thinks that by fixing the system that is unfix, infix, unfixable in my point, like, I just don't think we can fix it because I think it's just the whole thing is, is rotten. And I think we need to start anew and have a different way of thinking that isn't just uh, it isn't just limited to the, the the current system, but that we go beyond the the current, like the current way we think, go beyond the dimension, sort of evolve as humans. And or, in order for us to evolve as humans, there needs to be this uh, spiritual war where we are fighting against this evil uh, that we're fighting. But it is, I mean, it's inevitable because that's the nature of the universe. That's, you know, dark versus light. Um, nature versus, you know, this, the artificial, it's, it's, it's everything like that. And I think that once you start realizing that there's so much more than just believing that you're just here to, you know, work a job that has no meaning to you and then pay bills and die, then you, you understand like, okay, what, what am I doing here? What is the purpose and how do I best help others sort of attain that as well? Asa, you want, you, want, you want to jump in? No, I'm going to just listen and learn on this situation. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I mean, I have my thoughts and whatnot. Um, the thing I'm a little bit confused about is the fact that there's this mentality of as far as taking care of yourself and handling stuff within, how does that have effect on people around us and whatnot? I mean, that <clears throat> to me, I struggle with, okay, do I kind of, work on self-healing for myself and, and straighten on myself or my part of something bigger to take care of, you know, uh, to be a part of something bigger on this earth with all the suffering that's surrounded with us. So uh, I do often struggle with the fact about how do I handle these situations? Where, how, what part do I play on making a positive effect and change of all the suffering and everything going around me? So, I mean, I'm just listening and trying to uh, grasp and understand exactly what is being said. So I think that's a good question because there there is a lot of, like, oh, you know, work on ourselves, work on ourselves. And then you get the people that are like, okay, well, that doesn't help anybody who's struggling, or at least it it doesn't directly help them right now if I just f 
focus on myself, right, Pasta? That's kind of what you're saying. And I, but I mean, I would, I would think like one thing that's really important, and I, I do it in my own life, is that before I can help anybody else, I have to help myself first, right? Like, and I think you're probably in a good place, right, Pasta, where you can, you're emotionally, mentally, physically, um, in a good place where you can now help others, right? Because you can't, you can't be a, a, mess of a person emotionally or logically or in any way and then go try to fix other people right we got to fix so i think that's kind of what we mean like we got to fix ourselves first then uh sean's not inside i don't know i I what if you realized you're a lost cause like look i've done all i can do i'm a lost cause Let let me go help some other people like I will, I will find myself through doing charity and good deeds. Service is one hundred percent a way to do it. I mean, I'm in recovery, and that's a great way to get out of your head. You know, when I when I feel like I'm really lost and stuff, I like to go out and I like to, you know, I'm, I'm gonna be honest. I basically walk around Hollywood Boulevard, hanging out money to homeless people because I feel like I'm kind of like in a rut right now and. You're not really supposed to talk about, but for the instance of here, I like to, I, I'm just going to be honest with you, man. That's kind of how I do it. And, you know, the answer to pasta is I totally understand what he's saying, man. Um, you know, just the people on the show, you ask yourself, how, how does me changing my life affect everybody? Everybody on the show has affected their viewers and listeners' lives by being an example of what truth is and from me losing weight to getting sober and all that stuff, even though I don't, I don't really do it for anybody, but maybe except for my children, you know, I've seen people go, Hey man, I've decided to start doing this as well. Doing that, you know, uh, not watching adult films, not drinking, not doing drugs. And do these are things that I've, I've started doing and people are like, Hey man, I'm going to try doing that too. And it's just lead by example. And it's, it's butterfly affecting it. And, I just realized, and the big thing for me is I call it these rules of the Ronin. And one of the rules that I came up with is like, I can't give information to those who don't want it. But by being an example, those who are looking for change can see change and apply it to their life. And that, I think that's how things change. Now, I'm not, obviously, I have a show where we talk about everything going on in the world. I, I'm not sitting there saying we can't do that or shouldn't do that. I think it's very important to get the information out there, but I also know that we can't, I really think people, what is the point of being miserable if you're trying to save the world, right? If you're going to save the world, you should be, you should be happy. I I see people get lost in these wars that they're fighting for humanity. They lose their own happiness. And it's like, I just don't think that's the way to do it. And maybe I could be wrong, but just, I don't know what's real. I don't know what's fake. I think there's been so much rewriting of history that it's almost impossible to find out what was the original truth. Right. But so I don't try to do that. I can only do certain things that I see change my life. And one of those things, a couple of those things, law of attraction, changing how I see the world, mouth of abundance, giving it away, love thy neighbor. In recovery, they say, look for the similarities, not the differences. That's what I do in everybody. I try to find the similarities on what we are. So there's a connection there. And then I do it with discipline. And that's really what I do. And I have a, I have a podcast called Zero and it's my spiritual podcast. And I don't know where I'd be without it. You know, like I can do Tim Fall Hat all day, but if I don't have a plan on how to deal with all the loose jacking that's going on, uh, I could be back to drinking and doing drugs again. You know, so it's like when I start realizing that 
there's just a bunch of theater actors trying to scare me. And if I pull myself out of it, I, I start to vibrate on a higher level and I attract people who vibrate in a higher level. In recovery, they always say lower companions. I hate that term. I hate that term because you're talking about people who are suffering and you're on their level. So I don't call them lower companions. We're all just dealing. We're all engaging in low frequency behavior. And the only way to change that is to save yourself. And that's kind of what I do, man. And by, by elevating my frequency, I change the people around me. And I, you know, by having the dangerous conversations that we have together on our shows, we are examples for others who maybe are afraid to talk about these things openly or they feel they're alone so they can't express themselves. And that is it. These are the examples. And, you know, I'd like to ask Sean something about it's my belief that if they could turn off the Internet, they would. And I just think there's entities out there of light that push back against the darkness that if they could just shut it down and control it, they would have already. And they're trying to get rid of 230 and they're trying to do all this stuff. But like they said in Jurassic Park, life finds a way. And I think that applies to the Internet. Life finds a way. The truth gets out. And we're just in this age of Aquarius where everything is because all are being exposed for who they really are. And that's why I, I, I'm in the light right now. I'm, everyone else is running around like the sky is falling and the end yeah. is near. And I just think they're just doing hell Mary passes and they can't connect. And it's, I mean, look at what they're doing now, dude, you know, COVID. Yeah. They got us with a lot of people, but we can't save anybody. But then it became the Ukraine. And now you got videos coming out of Ukraine of, it looks normal over there. All this stuff going on, I just think is a bunch of loose check. But I wanted to hear your thoughts on that, Sean, about entities like that, like kind of like, I don't think they could just go out there and shut down the internet and regulate like they used to. I don't think, again, I, I always look at it like there's, there's a collective consciousness and the, obviously the collective unconscious that's at work here. And, you know, there are many entities like we've seen what reports all through the last decades about the uh, the various UFO sightings around nuclear facilities, for example, right? Um, and it's often been talked about like they won't allow us to like suicide, like mass suicide with you know massive nuclear war. That's why I haven't really been scared and pushing the whole like fear narrative that a lot of people are, are sucked into right now, which is you know nuclear war with Russia and all. I'm like, I don't feel it. I don't know. I, my my I have to go with my intuition and, and my feeling is fundamentally that we are, as you said, we're in, we're in the age of Aquarius. We're moving into the light. Things are being revealed. It's it's the light does that, right? The light reveal thing reveals things so that um it, we can basically discern and decide for ourselves. And it's amazing how consciousness is like so rapid that oftentimes things that I'll become aware of like within days, like it'll be out there in in bigger form forms. And not to say that. You know, we we may still be the minority, but even the mainstream is still a minority. If you think about human consciousness, that's where you know that's that's the thing. Even if they have whatever CNN with its few thousand viewers, <laughs> and they call themselves mainstream, but even if you had a hundred million viewers, you're still small because this planet's eight billion people. <laughs> half the planet, you know, is is in Asia, or more than half the planet is in Asia. They don't even speak your language, even know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, like, we're sitting here in America, thinking like everything that fucking matters is, you know, American uh, media and, and artists and hip hop and all. It's like bullshit, man. The fucking world is so much bigger 
than America. And that's what we've been learning in the last few decades, right? Is like this reawakening to like how America is a, is a critical country because of the spirit of the constitution and the spirit of the declaration of independence. And like that spirit that basically says we are endowed by a creator, not by some government. And we now have to reassert our rights here in this time period. Like this is us reclaiming our rights. And so just to get back to like that issue of, well, is it, is it about me like just affecting myself or no, there's no external reality. Everything reflects, everything is, is as above, so below my, my consciousness, where, where I am, where my, where, you know, where my reality goes, it's like, it's going to create ripples across space and time. Now, ev- again, like everyone has their own experience of reality and, and no one's going to see the, same, the world exactly the way that I am. So I'm not going to be like a, a narcissist saying like, I'm creating all of this for everyone. But the point is that I have to own my perspective, my being, right? That's what I can take responsibility for. And each one of us is being asked to do the same. That's what the age of Aquarius is about, taking increasing responsibility. And if you can't take responsibility, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get the chip. You're going to check out. You're going to be merged with the AI and you're not going to get to play anymore. (laughs) You're going to be told what to do, where to go, because that's the ultimate, like there's just two paths before us here, right? We get to take take responsibility of of our reality and our situation and our consciousness, or we just check out and say, just plug me in, tell me what to do. You know, the thing I struggle with too, and, and while we're on the subject too, since, you know, you guys were talking about like, you know, Yemen and, uh, and mushrooms and stuff, I think we should all take a trip and go take some got, which is like this herb that's in Yemen that the Yemen locals take and they chew on it, right? To, to get answers. And, you know, I, I believe a lot of the answers that we are looking for are, they do, they do exist with inside. You know, we find these answers from inside. But the part I always struggle with is the way I kind of not just look at things on a individual outlook. I mean, look at things that like, you know, on a human outlook and this whole kind of mentality that we have to, you know, work on ourselves to help everything else around us sounds all good and dandy. But at what point do we have to kind of take a look outside of what what we're experiencing and recognize that we have like a a predator class that is trying to uh, do whatever they want with us and dispose of us and and at one point or another it's got to be more than just self-healing and taking care of ourselves to affect everything outside of us at one point and this is the problem i have with like this kind of like and maybe i'm misunderstanding it and maybe the people who are explaining to me this anarchist mentality of kind of just opting out of the system sometimes is not good enough you know, I've been down to the global south where I've seen people who are fighting not for socialism or communism or any type of system. They're fighting to get rid of this evil entity that's been living in their homeland for some long, for a long time. The empire witnessed it in Nicaragua, witnessed it in Honduras, uh, witnessed it, you know, a little bit in Peru. So uh, this is what I struggle with. I, and I understand a lot of the answers that we're looking for do come from inside. But at what point do we pivot and look at our enemy that is trying to remove us and get rid of us and face them head on. And then once we dispose of them, then we can all, you know, get in a room and decide what's best for us and, and work on ourselves much better. I, I, get I, have, oh, go, go I, I was just going to finish the talk. Cause I'm, I'm in my head. I'm imagining these people in the Amazon who are completely detached from all the elites and they're in a good spiritual place and they live on their own and they, they live off mother nature and then some country that they're not even aware of decide they're going to take over and just spraying Agent Orange and gunshots everywhere. It's like, okay, what good? I, I can see what you're saying, Pasta. Like, what good was it being detached from everything of what was going on? <laughs> and now you're getting murdered by people you didn't know existed, right? Like, you know, why not attempt to, to learn about the outside world to, to hopefully change it for the better, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I totally want to take care of the that. enemy outside so I can work on the problems with inside. Sorry. But my, my whole thing to this is like, what is your journey? And, you know, for me, I, I, and this sounds crazy, but it's like, why, why do children die? You know, it's, and it's like, well, if, if God is great and everything, why do they die? What is the journey? And sadly, or, or just in reality, everybody has a different journey. And we all are brought down to have a, go experience different things and to figure out different ways of existing. I, my point is that it's like when you talk about like these inner cities being there forever in these ways, right? People are born into them in order to learn a story of how to overcome those situations. And some of us, sadly, are born into better situations where there's less to overcome because we're all on our own separate journey. That's my opinion, right? That, that's just my, you are there to learn a lesson. You're there to learn a lesson. Now, what for me, and, and this is just how I deal with your question. So I, I'm not coming at you, but because I, I, I've thought about this a lot. And it's just like, so much of the game that is played is manifestation and they have to manifest us to allow them to do stuff. And sadly, some places allow that to happen. We've seen it happen in Canada. We've seen it happen with COVID and how they, how they, you know, systematically brainwashed us into, you know, being so afraid of this thing with 99.6% survival rate that we allowed them to do things that normally we wouldn't allow them to do, which means they manifested it, right? They mani- they got us to manifest that there was a deadly virus that was going to kill us all. And if we didn't do what they told us to, we were going to lose. And Look at they tried. Trump tried to start war with Iran, right? Oh my God, they attacked our drones. Our drones. Thoughts and prayers to the drones family, right? That didn't do anything. What's going on in the Ukraine hasn't done anything. So my whole opinion is, and it's maybe it's the only way I can deal with it, and I could be naive, but everything happens for a reason. There are different places with different situations within the haunted house. And you're here to learn a certain lesson. I don't know if that answers it okay. Do you have something to say? I just want to say really quickly that, but the reason you're talking about a child dying in Yemen, for instance, right? That child is dying because the empire is there and the empire is doing, you know, what they're doing. We're wearing that same uniform. At one point, do we say, hey, man, we have to make sure that we understand that our citizens can separate, you know, from the government and then hold this government right. representing us accountable. I totally understand you, what you're you, saying. You know what I'm saying? I, I look more at that than rather than saying, okay, this is just the way it is because it is the way it is. And it is, it is the way it is because we're so distracted, we're so consumed, and we're not paying attention to what's going on over there. I totally understand what you're saying. And that's that's where we get into the why do bad things happen to good people? people. If, if we're in this kind of universe and there's a God of love, then why does that happen? Well, what I mean, like, it's a very complex conversation. And it's not I'm not saying it's right or wrong or anything like that. I'm just simply like everybody's here for, on a path. Pasta, I think it depends on your your circumstances, right? Like you talk about the global south and when we were there, right? Like. They had no choice but to pay attention to that. They had zero choice but to literally act and do that because that was their immediate need 
And I think once you have that, once you have people aware that that's their immediate need, their immediate need is to get rid of this person, that's what's going to happen. It's not going to happen here in the United States anytime soon because people are too comfortable. And that's the reality. You're too comfortable to even have this conversation because I'm, in my opinion, the fact that we're able to even have this conversation puts us in a better place than somebody that's not able to even have this conversation. So that's not, that's too, uh, facing too much violence and too much death to even get to this point. And I do think there is a, a sense of like, I don't want to say privilege, but a sense of we were, we're, at, we're allowed to think this way in this current path that we're in, in this current life that we're in. And not everybody is allowed. Not everybody has allowed themselves because of their circumstances, but that is out of your control. So I, I, I think for me, it's like you can only control so much of what you can do. And if your path is to tell the truth, to try to enlighten other people, to be aware of these atrocities and to go there and, and look at the elections and to go and look at what's going on in the world and expose it to to an audience, that is that is how you're helping in that way. That you know, It doesn't mean that, you know, you have to be a spiritual person or anything like that. Like, it just means that you, you, you're, you're doing what you, you feel that it's your calling that I think you're it doing. Helps. I think it helps. So with any of these causes, uh, Pasa, you want people to come to your aid. You want to build an army. And it's hard to build an army when everyone is at a certain level and they're struggling working 12 to 16 hours a day worrying about paying bills. So when it comes to working on yourself, there are studies that have shown that inner city kids that are taught how to meditate or do yoga do better on their tests and thus might be more successful and then those people who do better and get out of those bad situations can then be part of your army to where you can have these conversations to where they are ready to make a change. But they had to learn those tools, just being comfortable with themselves and their silence and their meditation to bust out of that situation. Another concern also that you see a lot in the alternative media community is that we get so caught up in these conflicts all over the world and we're fighting for our ability to to do the things we love and be create communities, uh, have families, and all of these have all these things, and ba- basically pursue happiness. And we get so caught up in people taking our, our our freedoms to pursue happiness that we stop pursuing happiness. And it's almost like they win, right? It's like uh, you know during the COVID time, the lockdowns and stuff. Obviously, we're we're all hitting it quite hard in regards to getting the information out there. And I would find myself so upset that they're locking us down and so upset that I can't, you know, that I have family that doesn't want to get together because they're afraid and all this stuff that I'm like, Oh my God, they're winning, you know? Cause I'm like, instead of just enjoying what I do have and just enjoying, you know, um, you know, just my community that I do have my family that I do have, I'm too busy stressing and, and bitching about the things I don't have. And, and, you know, I think we can get really caught up in, in all these battles that we, we almost stop doing the thing that we want to do or we're fighting for. And that's, you know, to, to, to have happiness and have the right to not be manipulated and, and, and brainwashed and, and, you know, and enjoy the things. I think it's a very American thing. Like we, we spend much more time bitching about the things we don't have and very little time appreciating the things we do have. Mike so, spends a lot of time fighting the new world order. Every show. <laughs> See, it's like you can't win by fighting the system. 
right? Because you're still playing in the chess game. And so this kind of goes to like the heart of what we're talking about, the inner work, because it's like, what do we want to visualize? Do we want to actually create new economies? Do we want to, you know, and I think that there's in many ways, again, the technologies, there's always a positive and a negative comes with the crypto cryptocurrencies and the blockchain and things like this are sort of paving the way to new ways of conceiving the economy, recognizing that currency is just energy, right? And should, it, it essentially reflects the energy that each one of us brings to the world. And, uh, you know, when we, if, if we have any one of us gets money in, in like, you know, gets money in, it's obviously no one holds and hoards money, right? I mean, whether it's, whether it's invested in, in a stock or invested in, in, in a company or invested in someone else or used to purchase goods that we want to, you know, receive or land or whatever, like this is the fluidity of life. So we're talking about systems that in some senses have served to raise the standard of living at certain periods of time. And then also, you know, have not served because we've seen where the speculative, uh, you know, uh, elite parasites come in. So what's the best way to basically get to get a parasite off is to essentially to make yourself uh, so healthy, so like vibrant, so, in, you know, integral that you, you're no longer, um, I say, you're no longer drained by these parasites. Right now, the parasites are draining the global economy. And it's not just the poor. It's literally it's the middle class in America that is suffering, as we've seen the last 10 plus years. Literally, they've been shrinking in terms of their equity, their their actual wealth has been shrinking. So it's like, okay, the only way that we can break the system is not just to say, well, let's redistribute wealth. I mean, that's like the stupidity of what they're pushing on the World Economic Forum. And I'm sorry, the, uh, the guys like Davos, man, have you seen this book? by this New York times author who's like, yeah, the WEF, we just need to redistribute wealth, you know, take the, make the rich pay for more. And it's like, that's not how you actually solve it. Systemically, you have to shift out of that economy. You have to be, you know, more local in your consciousness and awareness and where you put your money. You have to be more intentional in terms of who you exchange with, right? The fact that, that we've created these new economies like Patreon and others that is changing all kinds of industries that makes it such that, you know, the rock fans and other platforms, right? Makes it such that people can donate directly and give money directly to the creators of content. Like if we can do as creators, we each have to own in a sense, what we create, right? And it doesn't matter what industry you're in. You know, my dad has written and made huge movies in this world. He doesn't own them, right? The studios own them. That's just one example, obviously, of many people across many industries that are facing the same things. But I think going forward, we're going to have to shift out of that, that modality into the, the more conscious modality of the creator should have more of a stake, right? Or a more direct partnership with the consumer, with, you know, with the investor. I mean, all these things have to shift, and then you're going to see huge revolutions in terms of the standard of living and the overall economy, not just saying, let's just redistribute wealth from, you know, the, the, the billionaires to, to give to poor people, because fundamentally they're still feeding into the same damn, same damn system where the poor people will turn around and buy the fucking Bentley or the Apple stock or whatever to keep the system perpetuate. Listen, I'm all about building like parallel systems and finding new ways out of this. But isn't there an emphasis instead of just not necessarily fighting against the system, but educating people on the system? Because the same people who are bombing those children in Yemen are the same people who are keeping us poor and consumed. So we can't get involved and we can't mentally grab our mind around there. Isn't there a responsibility to not only just fix ourselves, but just educate people of what's going on? But, but that's happening. Like, it's na the nature of technology. I mean, listen, I was in Somalia 20 years ago when you couldn't even get fucking uh, online for, like, it was, like, the slowest dial-up, you know, to get online to, like, get your emails, right? I mean, come on. I'm sure now they got, like, smartphones and shit, right? They're, they're accessing 
information. So there is something to this information revolution that we have to acknowledge and honor. And there's a pace to the evolution of consciousness, you know, like Sam was saying, like the idea of the Dharma, essentially, like everyone has their different path and their different, you know, where they're born, why their soul chose to incarnate there, what the lessons that they're here to learn. Everyone has a different reality to experience. But the fact that we have access to information is shifting the way I think that people around the world are learning, getting, you know, they're, they're you know, they're whatever they're, they're picking up and deciding to, you know, basically adapt and, you know, to, to, to learn, you know, to take from the, from that uh, access. And unfortunately we still have a lot of people that are on a lower fr- frequency of consciousness. That is to say, Hey, I only have so many hours in the day. So let me go watch, you know, whatever the Kardashians, I'm just giving a bad example, right? I don't think they're still on. Maybe the right example. Sadly, whereas other people are like, Hey, I only got a few hours. Let me enrich myself like with access to, you know, university courses that are online or just other courses that are online. Let me learn. Let me like, let me explore. Let me be curious. So we can't, you know, ultimately, yes, we can say like, it's sad that they've been traumatized to that place where this is what they want to consume or they don't know better. They're drinking, you know, they're drinking uh, high fructose corn syrup and eating shit snacks and they're, they're diabetic and they're fucked up health wise and their body there. It's affecting their brain chemistry. I mean, all this is real. Yes, it's happening. We are here to help to shift that. You know, this is the beginning of the shift. A lot of people have been working in the health, you know, the healthcare field that are aware of it. You know, they're shifting out of this AMA version of what medicine should look like. You know, educators are shifting out of, they're going to homeschooling, you know, they're getting out. So the institutions themselves are the fundamental problem. I think uh, Fiorello was talking about that, right? Like they are fundamentally problem. And this is why I don't like liberals saying like everything should be socialized. And then the, you know, then the university, everyone can get university and everyone can get uh, Medicare. And I'm like, Fuck Medicare. <laughs> Fuck the healthcare system. They didn't even let you get access to ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. And you want to trust these bastards to, with your health? <laughs> like, no, we don't need top down telling us what to do. We need more individuals being respected and honored for our creativity, finding each other, connecting and just trusting that there's there's a there's a process and there will be a lot of uh, like it's a war. Basically, it's a spiritual war. What does that mean? Most casualties are civilians in any war. It's the same in a spiritual One thing I got. One thing is that, and I want to piggyback kind of on what Sean's talking about, is about, you know, this notion of, like, individuals saving themselves. It's like, even in these worn-torn places, like, why do you see people who escape there and immigrant to, immigrate to other places? These, This is what we're talking about, this kind of saving yourself. Yes, the, the by each individual person coming to grips with what's going on in the world, we start to connect with each other and we start to vibrate in a way and start to manifest in a way that changes it. Now, you know, pasta educating everybody what's going on over there is manifesting. That's what you're doing. You're, you're connecting with people and you're manifesting with them. You know, for me, it's just like the whole group wanted to save this group of people, the whole humanity, it's like, I don't know how you get everybody on one page, but if we give people the tools to change their life where they are, that's just my whole thing. I, my whole theory is nobody's coming to save you. I am very blessed. I was born where I am. My great grandfather, not so his uh, whole family got mowed down in front of him in Armenia during the genocide. Not lucky for him. For some reason on this journey, I am lucky to be here. And I've taken this opportunity to have a conversation with eight people. We've had more on here than the show are wonderful, wonderful human beings who are working their ass off 
to help change everybody. But I personally believe that the best way to do it is to change yourself. And by change yourself, you change the energy around you. And that starts affecting people. Does that mean we just turn a cheek to the atrocities going on? No, we do do something by raising awareness of what's going on by by our shows. It's these guys that have been pulling these this this death cult that's been running everything probably since at least the 1500s or the 1700s. They've been doing it in anonymity because they didn't control the flow of information. Well, those days are done. And we're getting the word out and people are waking up more and more and more. And I, we see it in real time. CNN Plus lasted two weeks, man. Three you know, weeks. Uh, Three weeks. Netflix crashing. You know, uh, Amazon's even having problems with their stock. People are waking up to the predator class. And it comes from people like us getting the word out at all costs. No matter how much we get censored on, putting out our independent stuff. We are we are removing the predator class. And what Sean's talking about, you know, artists to consumer. That's the future. You know, if you put a suit anywhere in there, it destroys the process. That's all going away. This is all part of the great awakening. Like, I hate that they co-opted that, but this is truly the great awakening. You know, this is the time in which all are being exposed for who they are and people are understanding what the world really is about. And I think we're winning. I think we're winning, man. I think they had a real plan and they keep moving forward. Like nobody's noticing anything, right? They're like, oh, we're going to get this going. We're going to, we're going to push this. And like, nobody's buying into it. Yeah. They did the data. They thought, Hey man, Philly, let's try to bring back mass in Philly. That lasted two days. The data told them that that was the place to do it. And it lasted two days. People are waking up. I yeah. just was with my daughters on Mother's Day and we went to this park and it was so interesting because I looked around and there were two people with masks on. Nobody else had masks on. Two years before that, two people in the room with no mask on. Everybody had masks on, right? I think that we're winning and when people are waking up more and more and more, we're, we're dealing with people's wiring, man. They've been brainwashed for such a long time it takes time to undo those wires and i i just personally think everybody on this on this call has done such a great job of getting the word out and more and more people do i can't tell you how many times i get hit up hey man i started a podcast because your podcast yes yes more people they shut me down well we got a whole army of other people that are going out there putting the word out this is how we make change, man. This is how we make change. And we fought a giant system that we as independent contact creators have annihilated. They don't go to them. They go to us like Joe Rogan. Say whatever you want about him. He's a good friend of mine. That guy is more powerful than any CNN or anything like that. So I think we're winning. Yeah. Well, they keep trying to throw new stuff at us, right? The Rovies, Rovie Wade stuff. It's like they're gonna keep trying going. Oh, that ain't working. What are we gonna get next? What are we? Yeah, gonna- yeah. That's it's all psyops on psyops. It is that drops right right when the Pfizer docs come out that there's a twelve percent uh yeah. efficiency. You know, and thirty three billion sent to Ukraine same day. Pelosi signing that shit. They're coming out with the Roe v. Wade leak. You know. Yeah. And it's so odd, but people are waking up to it. You go, you don't think, like, think about who needs to see that Pfizer dump. And then think about who's upset about the leak. Same people. Now they're not looking at it, but it's it's slowly, incrementally, they're starting to wake up that they're best. I mean, like, look how many women got upset about the Roe versus Wade thing, which I, that they're more than allowed to. They can totally get upset about that. But they're mad 
because like two months later, they were being told that, oh, men can have babies too. And you're like, what? And it's just like they got turned on by their own party and people are waking up to this. I mean, you can't be part of the side that's been wrong since, I mean, 2015. Now, if you get into R's and D's, you've lost because it's all Bush clan death cult, in my humble opinion. It's it's R's and D's to get into these fights, man. It just happens to be the D's are on the wrong side right now. During the during the uh, weapons of mass destruction, it was the R's that were on the wrong side for the most part. So if you start playing R's and D's, you just run back and forth. I got a joke about it. it's like running back and forth from Camp Crystal Lake to Elm Street, right? You're just hoping for a hug from, you know, serial killers. And reality is, it's just like, stop expecting any of these people to save you. I think yeah, I really valid crazy point. stuff about. Oh, sorry. Oh, good. Oh, just one one thought because uh, it's something that Sean said that I think is is super important, and I think somebody else brought this up too. Like this idea of like we're just trying to fix a broken system. This idea of like oh, give everybody Medicare, give everybody you know this, and it's like uh, one thing I, I like to try to do is like you know visualize it, and it's like you have this foundation that's broken, and then you have you keep wanting to like fix the house, and it's and instead of like trying to fix the house it's just we need to come to the conclusion that we need to just blow up the whole foundation and start start new like rethink the house rethink the way you build a house you know because everything that we keep doing like they have such they have restricted our thought of how a society how a culture can can live and how we can live among ourselves that's i've had many guests in the past that aren't huge fans of the zeitgeist movement because of the you know, the way that they've imagined a, a possible future. But one thing I keep saying that is important about Design Geist movement is that it made us rethink the way a society could exist, right? The Venus Project, same thing. Like th- this idea of like, okay, well, maybe the way we have created societies or a culture or civilization isn't we we shouldn't just build off that and say let's improve this let's let's rethink the whole system let's rethink everything and start from the bottom and i think that a lot of times when we're thinking of solutions we're restricted by this idea of like let's just fix oh we need a garage well we have this foundation that's restricting us but let's figure out how to how to make a garage an extra garage on top of this foundation instead of being like well fuck the foundation let's just demolish all of it and start fresh and i think that's that a marxist mentality by the way back better put that up there <laughs> you know ricky you got a marxist mentality blow it up and start all over again he's not wrong um, i i'd like to explore all <laughs> you, know, you can you can take things from all of them right i think exactly i feel the same way uh, yeah. I mean, I've had Professor Richard Wolf on my show, so I I, I dive deep in, into all philosophies. So I, I think, uh, but I you all know, all systems are corruptible. I don't care what you have. Exactly, whatever yeah. system you put in to control people will be corrupted by the really rich, the really crazy, and the super smart. They will all find ways to game it to get, consolidate power and money. Yep. You know, I, I don't know how anarch. I, I, and every time I say this, I get bombarded. I do not know how anarchy works, even though I like it more and more. I don't know how we could do that where there's no rules or anything like that. Even though I lean in, I'm leaning into it more and more every day. I go, okay, I'm starting as, to like this anarchy. Doesn't as tell Jeff me what Berwick's do. co-author, I am required by law to clarify that anarchy does not mean no rules. It means no rules. No rulers. That's what we say on AM. I'm Wake, down with that too. I'm totally I'm down, down with, with that. that. And considering the rulers we do have, it's starting to look like a, a viable option. I think the best idea that we can do is keep our 
consciousness raised and not fall into this trap that the World Economic Forum is setting of this digital hellscape of global communism with a bright, glossy marketing campaign of, oh, you know, we're going to build back better and all of that. It's a trap. And I think people need to wake up to that. Obviously, we know that and we've been talking about it for a while, but it seems like there's a huge segment of humanity that's going to be more than willing to walk headfirst into the metaverse if it means they don't have to deal with reality. And, let them. And, let them. Let them. But you know what? Let Part them. of me does say it says... If you're too dumb to figure it out, then then listen, we don't then need that. Guys. You like, know, listen, you, you listen. What is it? Thirty percent of people like you know said no to the to the shots here. Maybe half the planet in total. Listen, if that's a couple billion people, I'm cool with that. You know, we, who do you? How many people do you know? <laughs> I mean, I met a few thousand people in my life, man. I don't need I don't need everybody to be on my page. You know, I if we if we had an economy of a few of two billion people, we'd be fucking banging. <laughs> so, but these people yeah, are victims too, no, Sean. I mean, guys, this these people are victims too. They were lied yeah, to. Dude, they were coerced dude, and stuff like why that. Why do you get it, Pasta? Why do you get it? Why are you having taken the information and pushing back? Because why what are you they talked s- about my my settings, my livings, my surroundings, where I was born, my opportunity, the people I ran into. That doesn't mean that everybody will have those same opportunities. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm just but, saying. But Pasta, level you of- have friends of yours. That I have like almost been, I mean, I don't know all your friends, but we've had friends of ours who have operated in the same space that suddenly we're fine with vaccine passports and forced vaccines. Like, I don't know. Like, what can we do? Like, if you all there's so much information out there. Listen to it. Interesting, because Sean, I, I actually wanted to ask Sean this off the air but uh, i i maybe oh, i'll ask oh shit ricky go for it, baby well yeah let's hear it do it baby let's do it we're, we're talking uh i just didn't want to put him on the spot but are because trans it, gay i mean <laughs> if you hook up with trans sean is it make you gay no okay that was not it okay the deep question, question. Okay. the very deep question but uh no i was curious because this this they're they're hitting on this exact thing like i was curious myself how somebody who had all the information could still have some type of blinders on and then struggle to maybe see things the way we do. One person that you're, you're very close with and, and he's been on my show in the past. And so has his son, uh, Ventura, Jesse Ventura and, and even Tyrell a little bit. I, to, to know the, the information that they've, I mean, they, they have red pilled many people. I mean, Jesse, you know, uh, he was somebody that a lot of us would reference to and be like, Hey, you know, watch this episode, watch that episode. You know, he's, he's just asking questions. And yet it seemed like, you know, somebody like him got caught up in the anti-Trump rhetoric type of thing a little bit. You know, this is kind of what we're, you know, what we're talking about with pasta. I I feel like he got spurned a little bit. Remember he, he asked Trump if he could be his vice president. Don't forget that. That could be a part of it. Um, But Tyrell was... You're you're always dealing with ego, man. Don't forget, we're dealing with humans. There's always an ego factor, right? So there's also... There's always the lens of what people, like, you know, they they, how they perceive the world and what they what they know and what they don't know. And they may know certain things that we, that, you know, you or I don't know, and they may just have perceptions that, you know, that are, that are different. Um, so it's like when it came to, to, to the COVID stuff, listen, I know a lot of people <laughs> that, you know, you that are like totally conspiracy aware that are de- like, that are still pushing the vaccines. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we, we have to remember that, 
Um, it's everyone has a different path. And I really, I, I, it's like we're coming more and more to that perspective. Like there are those that actually understand what we're talking about, which is sovereignty. Most, you know, it's like most people may not get it, but even if a third of the planet were to get that, that's 2 billion people. That's a huge force. And it's, even if it's less than that, even if it's a few hundred million people, that's a huge vanguard to begin with to actually start this new trajectory because the sovereignty principle, mind, body, and spirit being honored and acknowledged and respected no longer going back to the beginning of this whole thing. That's kept secret my docu series. What's it about how humans have been enslaved and the way that they've been enslaved is, has been modified over the, de- over the centuries, but fundamentally they have been enslaved at, at the level of mind, body, and spirit for thousands of years. And it's now at the time to say enough. We're into exiting piety and age, the school system, that whole notion of like top-down authority and conformity, but people are still stuck in conformity. It's scary. It's scary to be sovereign. It's scary to be on your own. Most people in any, it's like any given group, seven out of 10 people are going to conform. Go along with it. Yeah, 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 whatever he said, right? Any given group. One of them is a sociopath. That's going to, that's going to, the three rebels, one of them is a sociopath. So remember that <laughs> you got 10% of the population that's sociopaths, <laughs> but I actually, I figure you have a 20% that are like decent. Uh, they're not, they don't like authority. They're kind of independent. They tend towards the either leaders or at least individualistic. And that's where we stand. We're the vanguard. Others will follow. They'll get it. We just got to keep doing our thing. Keep leading the way, keep speaking. Eventually your petition works, Right. There are those that will never get it. It's okay. I told you they got the Apple smart chip and the Google glass in the eye and the app in their brain and all that. That's, that's coming for them. Mm-hmm. But there's going to be that part of the, the population that's going to hear us. They're going to get it. They're going to see. And, you know, again, we're going to this whole evolution is, is now moving in a, in a different direction because we're basically seeing the final phase of the Piscean age, which is new world order. Is it just me, or did the New World Order? Just, I think he froze. Boom, they zapped him. <laughs> they got him. Hey, got him. Order. Damn, he was just about to give us the answer, and they zapped him. <laughs> the timing could not be. <laughs> world Order. He got zapped right, frozen, Sam. On when he said New World Order, boom. I, I kind of want to end the call real quick before he comes back, and then we can't make this a, a you know a story. <laughs> <laughs> he looked. He ended with New World Order, and then he—that's it. Yeah. Um, that's how you mic drop right there. <laughs> uh, we want to wrap it up, Mike. Probably a good but, idea. You know, yeah, it's been nine o'clock. I I like what Pasta was saying earlier. I I agree with him. I, you know, I agree with Sam that like some people see the information. You know, they have every opportunity to not. But again, like to go back to what we we're talking about, we're it's all about perspective, right? And our perspectives are molded by our environments, our DNA, you know, epigenetics, so many different things. And it's like maybe you we can. St- I, I got to the point where initially I was angry at people who were telling people to wear masks and stay home and get vaccinated. And then I got to the point where I, f- I felt bad for them because I'm like, you, you obviously haven't, you know, looked at this critically. You obviously have not had the books or the documentaries, you know, um, molding the way you look at the world and you've been tricked and, and, you know, you do kind of feel bad for them for, because they, they have been tricked. And, but you know, it's, I also understand that I, I don't want to put myself on a pedestal that I have truth with a capital T either. 
if somebody thinks I'm wrong or I'm incorrect, I'll explore those ideas too, you know, which is why sometimes I reference uh, Marxist ideas. I'm kidding. But um, <laughs> I, got, I always go I with Sam's, Sam's rule of the Ronin. Do not, something I'm paraphrasing, do not bestow information on those that are not seeking it. Like we just have to kind of prioritize our energy and you know if those people want to be dismissive of this and they're not ready for it that's that's up to them that's you know we can only do what we can do so focus on those that are sort of interested in understanding what's actually going on instead of beating your head against the wall and trying to like fire hose information into somebody that doesn't want it or isn't ready for it you know so i think we have to prioritize the way we use our our energy to uh, get this information out there. You know, though, it's, I still, you know, and the person that we were talking about, me and Sam and stuff, I still have hope for that person. I still understand somewhat. I know a lot of my friends are kind of like smacking me across the back of the head. Like, why are you even, you know, having hope for this person when it's been so many times and they're still sticking to their guns and, you know, the same way. But I know that if, in fact, and this is why I pay very close attention to what's going on with the COVID moving forward with the international health regulations and, uh, you know, what the WHO was trying to do and then the possibility of new laws in California because comedians, comedians themselves, I mean, they stand to lose the most. Their career could be taken away. When this lockdown came, I had several comedian friends that didn't know what to do. They weren't themselves. It was like a piece of them was, was taken away. So when somebody flashed the opportunity to say, hey, take this, do this, and you can get it all back, you could be yourself again up on that stage. I don't know why I've always had kind of sympathy for some of those people, regardless of the fact that I think what they're speaking is 1,000% wrong. So I don't know. Maybe it's just me that not giving up on, on, on humans sometimes. And we have to remember they are just as positive that they're right as we are that we're right. You know, so it's without a doubt so do you guys uh want to start plugging whatever you guys have coming up and sam you want to plug your shows before you leave yeah 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 uh sam triple you can find me at sam my new uh my special that i released over the summer the audio version is coming out and it's going to be on uh it's out it's called no lives matter so uh check that out and uh it's just tim full hat and uh yeah man Great show. Loved everybody. Thank you so much for letting me do it. I was glad I was able to jump on today. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for joining Bye, us. Hi, guys. I got a jam. Yeah, Sorry. Better, Sam. Who wants it? I'll, I'll go real quick. I'll go real quick. So I, I got to say, like, I had the pleasure, the very, the very, very big pleasure of actually hanging out with two of the people that were on this call in the last three weeks. I had to hang out with Pasta and Steve out in Las Vegas and with Sam over at Float Fest. So big shout out, Pasta. Thank you. I actually got to crash on the combo couch. Like I slept overnight on the combo couch yeah. in their place, dude. You're Pretty whoring awesome. that couch out, Pasta. <laughs> it's really the Gomez couch right now, but we kicked the Gomez <laughs> off so Scotty can get on there. Yeah, so thank, thank you for stopping by. It was great meeting you, by the way. And, and it was so amazing that you were one of the first people to kind of drive into town and park it here and then come on the show. You and Wyatt doing it. Yeah. Uh, it'd be nice if my business partner can come out to, you know, Vegas if do the same thing. So, yeah. <laughs> it's expensive. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I heard good things. I heard the good things. But anyway, guys, you know, thank you so much for having me on once again. My name's Scott. Uh, I just, I'm, I'm in Tennessee now. I'm actually doing my show now from the Last American Vagabond Studios here in Franklin, nice. Tennessee. It's just crazy, man. Uh, Ryan's been super hospitable and just uh, pulling me under his wing here. So I'm super grateful. The show is called Rebunked. Uh, rebunk.news uh, for all the links to the show and it's on your all your podcast players and all that. So much love, everybody. Thank you so much. Convo Couch? Pam, you want me to go or you want to go? Fine, I'll go. Um, thank you for having me on. That was a very interesting conversation. I was not prepared to have, but it was really cool. Um, yeah, so I, I'm on the Convo Couch with Pasta, obviously, but also... I will be on RT International soon. I will be going to Moscow in June and I'll be doing work there as well. So it'll be interesting and I'll be seeing all sorts of things. So it's a crazy time to go, but um, I think it's the best time, honestly. So thanks for having me on. That's that's awesome. The the one television network that would ever let me on has been RT. I've been so appreciative of them. And and Sean was one was the first guy to to invite me on to promote my book. He's, so I appreciate RT and they got they got fucked here in the states, you know, with all yeah. this Russia hysteria and disbanded, and it was pretty shitty. And I think that should be a lesson to people to just sort of pay attention. This is what can happen when mm. when the mob gets involved. They start doing irrational things like making RT America go out of business, like. Mm-hmm. Uh, we love freedom of speech so much that we have to crush them. I mean, it was just disgusting. So I'm glad to hear that. I, I saw that a couple of days ago that you got that got that gig with RT, and I wanted to reach out and say how awesome I thought that was. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, they, they fucked our, everybody who's Russian. I mean, if you're a Russian athlete and could care less about politics, I mean, mm-hmm. how many... Have you seen American athletes? Do you think many of them know anything about politics? Like, you're literally screwing Russian athletes who've worked their whole lives to, to play that sport or you know uh follow a dream and and then you're you're punishing all of them for what their government's doing or what you think they're doing or whatever maybe that's like not letting u.s athletes in the olympics because we invaded iraq like that you know the government doesn't always represent the people so yeah. um, i'm sorry it just bothers them <laughs> it's it's awful you know and now they're uh, russian women getting thrown off of only fans and the Russian people, Russian men too, as well, but getting thrown, thrown, thrown off of OnlyFans. I mean, there's a shit line. But at Don't least they're hiring it. Ukrainian strippers in Vegas. In Vegas, they got, we had a sign that said Ukrainian. We're hired looking for Ukrainian strippers. No shit, you not right on the street. <laughs> yeah, flag Vegas doesn't everything. fuck around. So <laughs> 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 the hiring business. <laughs> uh, anyways, my name is Craig Pasta Jardula. Thank you so much. That was my co-host and partner, uh, Fiorella Isabel of the Convo Couch. Uh, but I've also, um, you know, Fiorella is making that move to uh, Russia and Moscow, and I couldn't be happier for it. I think that RT is getting an amazing, amazing uh, an employee and an amazing person that's going to do outstanding work for them. Uh, and furthermore, they've allowed us to continue to do the Convo Couch and understand that. And, you know, they've obviously built a relationship with me, too, as well. Uh, to say, hey, guys, we understand what you're doing. We'll allow you to keep doing it and still find a way to make them both work. So I'm as ecstatic as can be to be able to do that. And also uh, what Scott got the witness over here, he got the AM wake up. You can see the up, but there's an EM for the AM wake up. Um, It's been a dream of mine to always kind of like switch my lifestyle. Uh, I I lived uh, in the restaurant business for so many years. In fact, where I met Fee. So my average bedtime was 2 a.m. 
Now my average bedtime is 8 p.m. and I wake up at 5 a.m. And I am just loving it, getting up every day uh, and getting to have this more of a laid back kind of show uh, with my other co-host, Steve Poikinen. Uh, And we do it Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. It's a live show. We do call-ins, guests, the whole nine yards. Uh, Tomorrow morning at 7 a.m., right out of the gate Pacific time, we're doing Peter McCullough, who's coming on. Dr. Peter McCullough is going to talk a little bit more about the Pfizer data drops, talk a little bit more about the IHR, the international health regulations, which everybody should be sounding the alarm to. And then on Convo Couch, uh, in a couple hours after that, Steve Kirsch is going to come on and talk about the same kind of thing. So we have a loaded lineup for tomorrow. Wednesday, I have two special guests. I'm not even telling uh, Steve who they are. It's going to be a surprise guest. Um, you guys know one of them. Uh, and then uh, Wednesday night, uh, Fam has uh, Vanessa Bealy booked to come on. Uh, and if you don't know who it's Vanessa is. Afternoon, Bealy, not night. I'm sorry. Like noon and Afternoon, three. yeah. Soon, Fee's going to be doing it at nighttime in Moscow so we can get our daytime in. So that's my mind is already confused about that you know and then uh, thursday we have jay fod on john f o'donnell on the morning show uh, and then friday um we have steve kirsch on in the morning and we're probably going to be talking to a colombian activist uh, if you don't know fiorell and i are going to colombia to observe their elections we've already observed nicaragua peru honduras last year all around the states for the last primary and last election we went everywhere uh fam was even in vegas when everything went down when uh, they were trying starting to say that the the you know uh, here comes Hitler's uh, sex second uh, generation coming on in uh, that was Matthews I believe who said something of that magnitude so we're going over to Colombia to study elections and uh, you know I'm going to continue to do the election work so when you guys are ready to have me on to talk about elections on your show uh, I'll be ready but that's what's up with the convo couch that's what's up with AM wake up so you can check us out new show on Rockfin it's only on Rockfin in the morning AM wake up come check us out thank you so much for having me on guys it's a fantastic show big big props. Awesome guest, like Mr. Armstrong. <laughs> Ripple Effect Podcast. Oh, let me plug uh, Sean. Uh, SeanStone.info, I believe, is his website. And you can find his uh, documentary series there. You can find it on Iconic and uh, a bunch of different places. So definitely check out all his work. He's on Twitter. He's on uh, Facebook. So you can find him on a bunch of different social media platforms. He has tons of books, tons of documentaries. And uh, and tons of great work throughout the years. So, um, you know, much like his dad, he keeps busy and he keeps putting out great content. So, macroaggressions. Um, I just had Mark Eglinton on, who is John McAfee's uh, ghostwriter of his life story, who is uh, feeding him information for right up until the day he wound up in a Spanish prison. It's a fascinating book. I read the whole thing. It's an easy read. It's called No Domain, the John McAfee Files, and um, well worth checking out. So, And you can catch my interview with him on macroaggressions in video format on band.video, Odyssey, Rockfin, and Iconic. And Mike's got OBDM's 1,000th episode this Wednesday night. Yeah. Yep. Everybody needs to watch it live at 7 p.m. Eastern, correct? Yeah. Thank you, Charlie. Yeah. You can watch us on Twitch or DLive. Uh, just go to obdmpod.com for episode 1000. I guess I'm done after that. I did 1000. I'll take a break, I guess. We'll see. <laughs> Never. But thanks, everyone, for hanging out, and uh, we'll see everyone in two weeks. I believe so. Thank you guys. Everyone, have a great night. Thanks again. Really appreciate it. Bye.
God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. Great job. 